And then I said, I don't care if you're Jacob Reese Mogg, take the socks off. Shit, will I? Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Adequate. Our ongoing mission, until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior. To review every episode of Star Trek and movie in existence. To seek out new guests and make them extremely uncomfortable. To boldly go where many other Star Trek-based YouTube channels have gone before. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. It is Friday. It is the Nerdy Up North YouTube channel. We are live for another episode of Trekking Up North. I am your host as ever, Captain Goodwill. And joining me is the delectable Geesian from the planet Honk. Science officer Sunoise. Hello, Sunoise. How are you? I'm good. I was wondering how long you were going to hold new there, which is a, to seek out new guests. To seek out is that going to gradually get longer? Line. New. Oh, guests. Right. Okay. That's what it was. <laughs> to seek out new prophets. No, no, no. I mean, you. Oh, no, no, no. No. Um, no. But None yeah, of how, these prophets. You have been a rather busy boy this week, wouldn't you? I, I, I wouldn't say boy was the right word. I've been a very busy queen this week. <laughs> oh, we've been pissing off the homophobes on Facebook, apparently, which I'm quite pleased at. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna book the trend here. Obviously, <laughs> we all love Sunoise. We all love what Sunoise does and what Sunoise represents. What we don't love are the people that don't like what Sunoise does and what Sunoise represents. Uh, more to the point, our illustrious leader does not like this. And <clears throat> we got a rather disturbing message from someone who uh, took umbrage with everything that Sunoise has been doing this week, which was absolutely beautiful and hardworking <laughs> at DragCon. Um, and Paul, being Paul... Um, <clears throat> <laughs> replied entirely professionally to this, this is the gentleman. most professional message I have ever seen in my life and I'm going to say quote and I'm going to bleep some of them you know it's 2024 this small minded pathetic homophobic attitude should not be tolerated please bleep off I'm embarrassed that you follow this page you small minded limped beep beep <laughs> <laughs> well done. I, I love well I love done. that. I mean the thing is basically the story was me and drag walking down the runway, the the pink carpet, I think, at mm. DragCon, or it was either or it was the one where I'm interviewing Nikki Dole from Drag Race France. But it's it's this idea of just like I don't think there's anything wrong with disliking drag and disliking sort of queer culture, but it's the idea of feeling that you need to point it out. You know, it's like that idea. It's like the, the dickhead who kind of goes like, oh, Star Wars. Well, I hate Star Wars. And it's like, that's lovely. Just keep it inside. You know, it's just like, don't voice it to the room. Like, it's, it's uh, you know, and the idea that someone can be like sort of, oh, my God, this is disgusting kind of thing about like, you know, a man in a dress. He's just like going, is it? Really? <laughs> okay, well, thanks for sharing. Now fuck off. It's not like my <laughs> deep-seated, passionate hatred for ITV2 and all it represents in British culture. <laughs> Nothing like that at all, because I will I will continue to pour gasoline onto that fire until... <laughs> it's not about the money, it's about sending the message. That <laughs> Hang on, are you quoting the very episode we're going to be reviewing later? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I was pretty quoting, sure that's I was a quoting quote the me. Joker, but yeah, okay. Um, it's not about oh, the money, yeah. it's about sending the message. Um, <laughs> I went to Waterstones this week. In, in search Hold on, of... that was the most awkward segue I've ever it is. heard. From, from homophobia to homophobia, so I from homophobia ITV to yeah, from, hating, from hating ITV two to literacy <laughs> because people from ITV two can't read. Um, yes, I was looking for a book which uh, proved rather difficult. However, I did stumble across something on the little uh, novelty gifts section. Ooh. It was a little box, and on the little box it went. USS Enterprise model, and I was like, "Ooh, I like a model," so I bought it for ten English pounds. Here it is. Oh, what's so cute? It. Look at how cute this Look is. The... It was a build-your-own so nice. model, but it has a trick, and I'm just going yeah. to turn off the lights. <laughs> it lights oh, up. Amazing! How ten tiny? English pounds. Ten English pounds. And it is it just like up. one LED inside it? It's I, I think it's two LEDs mm. on a oh god, what is it? That's so cute, I love it. It's like a, it's an LR forty one battery, so it's not even a coin battery, they're like the tiniest batteries that you can get. <laughs> and it's like ten pounds in Waterstones. And I was like, this is the cutest goddamn thing I've ever seen, and I'm purchasing it for my desk. Not like I've already got 17 million variations of this ship already, <laughs> but you can never have enough. Um, speaking of, the, the, the shelf of mild destitution behind me um, yeah. has Deep Space Nine and the Defiant. How long have you been waiting to get the DS9 model out? I've had that model since 2013, <laughs> so that says a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long that's time. That's the first time it gets to appear in wow, Trekking Up North. That's 11 years old. Holy shit. Yeah. That's that older is... than most people on Epstein Island. Christ. Okay, so we... Um... <laughs> Limited. Hello, DS9 model. Limited Goodbye, monetization. Income. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Paul in the chat. Um, Hi, Crimson, another northern nerd who's probably got the same uniform that I've got. Um, Christopher Reed, lick it. I am not licking anything. I know where it's been. <laughs> the glorious 188.36 foot Viking god that is Adam. Hey, hey, hey. Oof. Hey, Adam. And we've got David in the chat. David Jones, who's actually been in Star Trek, and we will say that. What? New Goodwill was a feat, man. What the fuck's he on about here? <laughs> Christopher, what are you on about? Joe Borders in the chat. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm really confused I'm by the really chat. I love it. Uh, we got Kirky. Kirky. General Kirky's in the chat. Kirky, Play. which model do you want? Because like I said, this is in Waterstones. Um, Waterstones for 10 English pounds. And then this that model is no longer bargain? available. Can you bargain for it? Yes, you, you could probably stone. stack some shelves. Ferengi style. Yeah, you could probably teach some people in Middlesbrough to read. Um, <laughs> that one, I don't think it's for sale anymore. Uh, they really need to mm. do a bigger one. There should have been a bigger one where you can put other... I love the there. idea of how tiny it is. And you're like, so DS9 always has to be in the distance. It has to be. Yeah. It's the beginning of the actual uh, credit sequence. There you go. Look yeah, at this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do quite like though that in the episode, like not the one we're doing today, but in the episode where one of the pylons gets blown up, you kind of go, "That's a massive deal," because there's only technically three of them. There's only like sort of, you know, like uh, it's the one where the Jem Hadar attack, mm. and they they beam on and they uh, 
detonate a bomb and blow up like a pile one of the pylons and he's just going like whoa it's a big deal like when you see the scale of it in relation to the rest of ds9 it's ds9 is like so friggin' big like it's it's like two miles big i think uh mm. from from the thing general kirky says the ds9 one haha i didn't buy it at the convention and instant regret yeah the, yeah instant regret there is a larger model that i do regret regret uh buying but it was like 70 pound and i just don't have 70 english pounds yeah. because of Fozzy <clears throat> lives um fuck I, the tories i have to i have to say though uh like at conventions, you forget how easy it is to spend money. You forget how you lose track. It's like when you're on holiday and you're like, this isn't real money. No, no, no. This is fake play money. And then afterwards, you're like, I need to eat beans forever now. <laughs> yeah, that, that was me uh, when I came back from America last year. And I was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need this money. And then I am horrendously in debt. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, that was the thing. The, to be fair, I was kind of protected at DragCon at the weekend because I, if, if we didn't mention earlier, I was uh, doing press at RuPaul's DragCon UK 2024 uh, last weekend in the Excel Centre in London. And it was amazing because I got to meet all of the wonderful queens. I got to interview so many people. Uh, I'm knackered because we interviewed on Sunday. Sunday I interviewed, well, we interviewed 27 people in one day. Oh my which is just ludicrous like and some of the interviews are like 11 minutes long and you just like we kind of calculated that i must have been speaking for about three hours straight over the course of that day not including general talking to people but it was quite good because the way that the press room was done is that you could they made it so you could only interview people in the press room you couldn't do it bumping into them downstairs or backstage or anything like that uh, and so it basically meant that I just never left the press room because as soon as I was about to leave and go, oh, cool, I'll take half an hour and I'll go and like, you know, check out some of the stalls and buy some merch and stuff. Uh, someone would come in. So you'd just be about to leave and then it'd be like, oh, it's a famous queen has just walked in. So now I need to interview them. Uh, otherwise, you miss them. And so it kind of saved me a lot of money because I never got to the stalls to look at stuff to buy. So I only spent about like 70 quid, I think, on merch. Wow. And considering that like poor, poor people, like all these, like, because obviously I was very lucky to have press, but like a lot of the actual, like the, the punters there had paid a lot for their tickets. And then all of the booths had it where like in order to get a photo or to meet the queen themselves you had to spend like 30 quid or 50 quid or whatever like michelle visage who's one of like the main judges uh on drag race like i think it was like 50 quid just to meet her what like and you didn't get anything for it you didn't you know it was literally just 50 quid meet and greet and you're like and the, because the queue was massive we Are were like we can't do that what do you yeah yeah to get to get a photo, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Just, just to... Well, basically, the way, the way it was is basically the only way to meet her, because they basically sort of... She was basically in a closed room, so you had to kind of queue to go into the room where she was, so you couldn't accidentally get a photo of her, or you couldn't sort of take a cheeky selfie with her in the background. But the only way to do it was to pay the 50 quid. And then when you were in there, it was like, oh, cool, you know, you can take a special photo with her and stuff. So, yeah, that but that was the only way to meet her, which was... What? And and even for press, we tried to get press, and the the people were like, "No, 
<laughs> you know, no, it doesn't matter if you've got like access all areas, you can't meet her. You know, why do I get a flashback from the uh, Simpsons episode of the I Didn't Do It Kid? Meet the I Didn't Do It Kid, and then just Grandpa Simpsons is like, I have to pay five dollars to see my old grandson because he's queued <laughs> up. Um, but I mean, merchandise <laughs> is a good is a good segue. Um, because yeah. we too have um. <laughs> Trek North merchandise that uh, Paul has been hinting at in the ch in the chat. Yes, this one is for Ensign Bailey, Adam Bailey, uh, to be sent to him. So I need to get his address this week to post up. The lovely Sean Ferrick uh, should have received his by now. We've had David who received his in Canada, which is infuriating that he got his in Canada quicker <laughs> than Sean got his in Dublin. That's insane. But Wait, the whole situation is insane. Like the point where it's quicker to get to like Spain than it is to get to London. Or like, yeah. you know, like I can get to Spain quicker than I can get to Manchester. And I'm just like going, and for cheaper. And I'm like, well, why is this? Why why is all of our transport and postage terrible? But it seems to me as soon as you give it away from Royal Mail, it's faster. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, don't mention numbers in the Royal Mail in the same sentence because they'll inflate them. <laughs> what, what won't inflate? Well. What won't inflate is the 100% premium cotton that is in every Trekking Up North <laughs> T-shirt, um, designed passionately by our cult leader and made of the loom of the fruits. Um, oh, fruity loom! It's a fruity loom. It's a fruity loom. Look at that. I mean, look, look at this. Look, look, elegant. Um, printing and cellophane wrapping um, direct. We really need to work out something better because it because it's getting to the point now where we basically we did these as like a sort of you know as a sort of minor thing where we were like hey we'll just give them to guests or whatever and we'll get like a couple made kind of thing and now we've genuinely got people being like how do I get one of these and, and we're kind of in the position of going we didn't really think about that so send us a message and we'll work it out so it's it's that. Yeah, it's the buy, unexpected buy more, demand. <laughs> buy my stuff. Yeah. Because I am horrendously in debt and need not to be in debt. So buy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. But uh, no, well, if anyone out there does want a Trekking Up North t-shirt, feel free to come to the Nerdy Up North Facebook group and send a message to our lovely admins or go onto the Nerdy Up North website and send us a message there and we will arrange something for you. And any other merchandise <laughs> ideas to do with Trekking Up North, please feel free because I do have ideas, but I am clueless when it comes to the whole merchandise things. Oh, we have stickers! To be fair, I, I, Adam's saying in the chat that he needs one of the Trekking ones. Does it come in God size? Sorry, I just blacked out when you said the word come and Adam in the same sentence. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we are here to review a wonderful little episode of Deep Space Nine Season 4, Bar Association. I am so incredibly happy. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I've had full-on January blues like uh, since the beginning of the year. And... DragCon was so much hard work. Like it was literally, we're talking 5 a.m. start to get into drag. Then I had to be there at about quarter past eight in the morning. And then I was literally on my heels with the only time I got to sit down the whole day is when the interviewee wanted to sit down. So when they were like, oh, I want to sit down to do this interview, that's when I got to sit down and finished at about 7 p.m. and had to get out of drag, which was 
two days in a row is pretty difficult. But um, the the fact of knowing that I got to finish, come back and watch this episode. And I've watched it twice this week. And it is the, this is the chicken soup of Star Trek. Oh. The, well, this episode is the, it's the, it's the warm, it's the mother's hug of like Star Trek do, kind of episode. You, it's so wonderful. Feel, don't you feel that the, the midsection, I mean, all of DS9 is great, but the mm. midsection of DS9, as in season three to five, season six, mm. is sort of the, the comfort era of star mm. trek and you could put it on and instantly feel at home I, I have always said this about deep space nine i love every form of star trek all trek is good trek we all know that deep space nine though it was more than just a family it was a family in a home uh yeah and the station was everybody's home. The promenade was where you went to the shops. Quark's bar was the local. You had Morn, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> we had, uh, it, it just felt, it felt homely. And, and when Deep Space Nine got into this sweet spot, it was wonderful. And these episodes, I mean, I did not want to stop after I'd watched hmm. Bar Association. I wanted to move on to the next one and the next one because it was just like a warm hug. I literally watched the next one and then the next one I was just like, oh, hang on, I've got stuff to do. And, you know, and I was just like, but it just happens so easily. Like, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter that I've got to go to bed. I've got work the next day. I'm like, "Mm, let's watch the next episode because you immediately see it and you're like, oh, the next one's the one with the guy who thinks he's uh, the the emissary and whatnot. They they have an emissary off and stuff. And then, oh, the next one's the one where this happens. You're like, you know, and it's just like going, you just keep going. You get into the flow and then it becomes like a tidal wave, you know? It was the 30th anniversary of Star Trek when this aired. So Star Trek was quite literally at its peak. Like, the, this was the golden era. Um, I mean, they had like a full Hollywood gala celebration for the 30th anniversary, which was presented by Ted Danson, of all people. Um, oh, wow, that's a... And it was, he's never been in Trek, has he? It was, it was a red carpet event in Hollywood. They had <laughs> the cast of Fraser uh, recreating Fraser, but in space, where like Daphne was a helmsman when she's like, "Oh, sir, I'm get, I'm a bit psychic. Uh, oh, that... we've got a ship coming, and it's a, it, it's coming in at bloody hell. It's really moving." And it was stuff like that where like Did it tie in with the episode where um Fraser's a captain? I've forgotten oh, what his captain and name is. From TNG. Yeah. Um Captain Does it, Freeman. Because I I just love that they randomly did it where we so in Star Trek, Morgan like Bates. with Whoopi Goldberg, you had people just being like, Can I please appear in Star Trek? You yeah. know? It's but I mean that spawned endless memes where it's just like dig. God, Niles, you piloting a 24th century starship is a bit au-pair, isn't it? Oh, really, brother? You with your rickety-out antiqued Soyuz class? <laughs> oh, what, what was the other one? It's like, oh, my God, Niles, are you, are you mixing 23rd century Klingon blood wine with Raktagina? Just stuff like that. It was, yeah, but it was... Um... I, I love it, though. It's that, it's that perfect, like, the 90s where you could just combine all of the stuff from the 90s and it kind of all fit together like a glove it was wonderful it was it was a wonderful it was a wonderful time to be alive and to be a trekkie um it was yeah and and just this whole era was like a massive warm hug because this was just star trek at its apex this was prime mm. this is as good as it was 
going to get. Um, and I think it's as good as it has got. Like, you know, I'm very, obviously, Strange New Worlds, well, actually, I love Strange New Worlds in a different kind of way. It, it, Strange New Worlds makes me feel the same way as this sweet spot DS9, where it's the idea of, we have an episode now, okay, which is the epitome of good writing, because the, the one we're doing today, basically, it has a main plot, it has a B plot, it does it have a C plot? No, it has a, no. it has an A plot, it has it's a B a plot. Strong A it's, minor B. I would yeah. Say. And then it but then it basically manages to involve every character and Cisco is in it for about four minutes of a 45 minute episode. Cool. Like the the captain, well, yeah, he is the captain at this point. The captain is in two scenes, and they are very short scenes, but he manages to make a point, he stands out a lot in the episode. And it lets every single character in this episode shine and sets up loads of future episodes. Like this, this stacks up loads of future plots. Like, and it's just wonderful. Like, how do you do that? How do you like tell a story and then manage to still, you know? It's a great way. It's a great way for a mid-season filler episode, like you said, to stack up a load of foreshadowing plots, but to also Hmm. it. It's it's great writing when contractually every main star must have an appearance and a line in an episode in order to get a mm. paycheck. Now that could be a sentence, two sentences, or a scene. <laughs> Once they are done, that's seven and a half thousand dollars in the pocket. They are going home. So it's a case of uh, look look at Nana Visitor. Yeah, okay. she, one, she has a sentence. She has a sentence in this episode. Absent for 99.9% of the episode. Comes into the bar, orders a load of drinks. Real life, she did one sentence, got $7,500, got back into the car and drove home. That, mm-hmm. for me, is the best goddamn day's work. <laughs> I would be over the moon. But how cool is that, though, that the writers did that? Yeah. The writers could have been like, hey, we could save seven and a half, like, you know, a uh, hundred dollars uh, by just not having her in this one. But they're like, no, well, she needs to appear like, you know, so she needs to appear. They That doesn't need to happen. Her appearing in this like Cisco is essential to the plot. Uh, you know, Kira isn't. But then this kind of respect for the actors and allowing them to get paid. I mean, it would be cheeky if they had an episode all about unions and then didn't pay some of their, you know. Like, but it's it's a very poignant. It is a very poignant episode, specifically for Americans, where the word union, much like the word union on Ferengana, is very taboo. Mm. Very, ooh, like you, you, yeah. you can't say that word. You can't mention the word unions in the workplace in some places in the United States. Um, mm. And this represents that um, because the main the main plot is. The workers at Quark's bar decide to form a union after Quark makes a number of cutbacks, uh, cutting their salaries by a third or cutting the staff by half if they refuse to accept it because of and, the and and all. Sorry, go on. But it basically comes about because uh, Rom, the you know his brother, is actually really sick and. Can't and you know he's really sick, but he's being forced to work because they don't have a thing. They don't have such things as sick days, so it's the fact that he's actually like sort of deathly ill with an infection, but he's not allowed to actually go and do anything about it because then he wouldn't get paid. It's and against the, this is a real thing. Yeah, it's, 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 it's against a real the thing where 
uh, standard clause. They don't. Yeah. They are entitled to no sick leave. They are entitled to no vacation days at all. It is a standard clause. So for Ferengis, this is common mm. practice. But Rom is really, really. He's got like a a really bad infection in his ear, and it gets to the point where, as you'll see, it in collapses. Some of the, yeah, <laughs> but as you'll see in the the rolling uh, banner below, he ends up using Moogie's cocktail <laughs> at the bar, just pouring it directly into his lug hole and he just passes yeah. out um and but she's you know like there we go right there on the like and yeah, yeah. He, he eventually collapses and quark being quark instead of calling uh for bashir or the infirmary gets someone else to clear the mess and then docks his pay for the smash classes because it's yeah. quark but and it's this it's this idea and this is what's so wonderful about ds9 because it shines a light to the society we have this kind of like late stage capitalism that we're living through at the minute where you realize how suicidal it is like how like dumb it is where basically it's the fact of going he's treating his workers like crap in order to make more money and then ends up losing money because of it. Like we're seeing in the UK at the minute, like we're seeing in Hollywood, where it's going, hey, okay, so you've made yourself look terrible to your customer base. You've made yourself uh, lose loads of money because of obviously nothing's going on. And you've had to also sort of, yeah, having to pay more than you would have done originally because you put it off for so long. And it's that silly idea of the short-term greed, like, never ever outweighs the long-term benefits of paying people properly and i i just like that a ds9 episode goes into this so much where it's the idea of quark being like oh well you know you can rest when you're dead kind of thing and it's like well then you have one less worker <laughs> you know it's but the 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 sub b plot to this episode is uh, uh revolves around wolf who is struggling mm. to acclimatize to life on the station. And also... He only appears at the beginning of season four, isn't it? Season yeah. three, isn't it? Yeah, no, season four. This yeah. is this is um this is after the events of Star Trek Generations, where obviously mm. the Enterprise D is uh, destroyed. But he moves to uh, Deep Space Nine. But I, I could sort of see what you were inferring to earlier, where, you know, was there another subplot to the subplot? Because, yes, mm. there was, because obviously there was a um, burgeoning relationship between Worf and Jadzia, as we yeah. see in this episode. You know, straight from the beginning, where, you know, he, he she infers that he's in love with the Defiant, because obviously he wants to do all these calibrations and stuff. And she goes, oh, you're in love. And he thinks she's referring to her, yeah. When she's just like the defiant, you're in love with the defiant, mm -hmm. uh, and we see that you know go um, continue all the way through the episode. We but we also see the uh, burgeoning romance between Rom and Lita. Yes, but at this point, it's the idea. This is the first time that they kind of realize they've got feelings for each other, and it's not not spoken, but it's the idea of just being like, oh wow, like Lita gets to see Rom in a whole new light. And this is at totally a point, changes her opinion about it. This is at a point where Lita is with Bashir, the dirty yeah. little dog that he is. Because and, and I think that's I and I think it's a wonderful statement because basically what we're saying because Rom is a joke. Like Rom's you know, there, there's three characters in DS9 that the writers didn't know what to do with essentially, and you know, and they are Rom, Bashir, and Jake. 
And the fact is that possibly Nog, but I don't know. I feel like they knew what to do with Nog kind of thing. And then obviously with Bashir, they kind of go, okay, we don't, he's not really doing anything. We're going to put in the whole genetically modified thing. We're going to put in like romance and stuff for him. And it kind of works out. And then obviously with, um, with, uh, with Rom, they kind of go, okay, he starts off a, a evil Ferengi, then they make him into just a bumbling idiot. And then they go, actually, he's not a bumbling idiot. He's just trying to survive in a society which doesn't suit him. Like yeah. he's trying to be a Ferengi when he's not a Ferengi he by was, nature. He was, he was born into a different, he was, he was either born into a different culture or he was born into a different time of that culture where his ideals and his values do not correspond to the culture in question. So yeah. he is, as we see <clears throat> later on in DS9 and now in Lower Decks, where he transforms uh, Ferengi culture um, to represent his ideologies and mm. his, you know, and his way of doing things. It's yeah, it's brilliant. It's genuinely brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, just I want to talk about that, but it's the fact of the other character is Jake. And my one criticism of DS9 is they never find out what to do with Jake. Jake just, yeah. He they, just becomes they, a writer and he's, he just... He becomes he's, a writer He's with the Federation News just Network there. and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's sort of... When you look at the two kids, Jake and Nog, Nog sort of had an arc where yeah. he he just became... You know, at first he was just this bratty little Ferengi kid who was just constantly getting into trouble, didn't know what to do. And, hmm. you know, it was that standard American thing of, have you thought about the military? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> off you go four years uh drummed him into the service but his arc was we got some of the best episodes of, yeah. of any star trek which revolved around nog we got uh the siege of ar558 and then yeah. the and i i always forget the one with Vic i Martin, always forget it as well but i know he's the dealing with his ptsd and it is yeah. the best episode for me the only good jake episode is the one without like well, I won't say good, but in terms of the character, not Sirok Lockwood, yeah. is the the one that always makes me cry. Where Cisco appears every is it ten yeah. years, um, due to a a temporal a or time not. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Like his 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 arc is never really resolved, and even even the last. The, I think uh, the problem is scene. it's because it's because Jake is. A plot device like yeah. Jake, Jake is an object in DS9 and it's my one criticism I'll say of it is the fact of all the other people are rounded characters Jake is there so Cisco can be a father yeah and they never really untangle that they never really go but what does Jake want because they kind of go down the route a little bit but then I don't know it's this odd thing where they want to have a laissez-faire kind of character but then they sort of don't want to focus on him too much and then yeah and i i wonder if it's like down to Cyril lofton at all because i know he's great but it's this idea of like i wonder if they were like oh okay this actor doesn't really care that much whereas the other actors like obviously jesse eisen i uh, know uh aaron oh, what's aaron eisenberg i nearly said jesse and no, aaron eisenberg like obviously was Science, like hey son. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like hey i want to do more with this and stuff which Hey, Dave Gregory, right? Welcome to the chat. Um, hey, Dave. But uh, yeah, and and Jake's always that. But um, but to go back to Rom, it's the idea of I I obviously I'm going to turn everything into stuff that I can relate to. 
But I think the wonderful thing about Rom is being a fish out of water. And it's a wonderful sort of like metaphor for society where we kind of go, hey, this is what a man needs to be in our society where you go, hey, in order, like, I have to say, as a proud and out gay man who doesn't give a shit what people think, and I just go, hey, I'm going to like this thing. I don't care what people think, and I'm going to do this thing, and I don't care what people think. That is something that you you learn as a gay person because you kind of don't get to fit into any of the groups growing up. But then I see a lot of straight people in straight culture and go, wow, that's really heavy. Like the idea of, you know, the sort of lads, 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 and the, oh, you've got like football, you've got like this, you're not allowed to like that. There's an expectation in male culture, and, and it, it's not really talked about, but there is an expectation in male culture, especially in the north mm. of England as well, where yeah, yeah. You, you have to be hard as nails, you have to like football, You have to, your job is not a real job unless you're out there you know, in yeah. in the outs, in in you know, out in you, the open, you, being a brick. You've got to have this. a girlfriend. You've got to start a family. Yeah. You've got to do this. There's, you've got to be earning loads of money. You've got to be the breadwinner. There's you've a lot got of to wear. You're not allowed to wear that. You're yeah. not allowed to wear this. These are the men's colours and stuff. And oh, you're not allowed to watch shows like this. There's so much pressure on straight men. And obviously, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be the person going like, oh, what about straight pride? But it's the it's accepting how suffocating society can be to everyone in it from different angles and the idea that nog is like a representation of uh, sorry rom is a, a representation of that in trek to basically go he is a shit ferengi he can't do the lads 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 thing he can't do the oh throw everyone under the bus kind of thing be cold and like discompassionate uh, you know, only care about profit and stuff. He doesn't give a shit. All he cares about is the happiness of his son, and he likes fixing things, and he loves his brother. But this is, and that makes him an outsider in on DS Nine among the Ferengi. He's, thing. he's an outcast in in amongst Ferengis. But this is the episode where we really see Rom come into yeah. his own, where we see him towards the end of the episode realize who he is and who he wants to be and this is this is the awakening moment for him yeah which is it's brilliant because up until this point ron as you said has been the bumbling idiot brother mm. where it's just like well actually no there is more depth to this character than you know he is yeah. highly intelligent <clears throat> and he is now utilizing the confidence he has gained all the way through this episode to pursue what he wants to do not what Ferengi culture expects him to do. Yeah, if if you only judge a monkey on its ability to fly or a bird on its ability to, like, I don't know, operate heavy machinery. I'm trying to think of something a bird can't do. But it's this idea, then it's going to fail. So it's like, hey, if Rom tries to be a Ferengi, he does a shit job of it. But then what we realise over DS9 is he's not a bumbling idiot. He's actually a technical genius. Yeah. But that's something that they don't care about because it's not like the, it's not profitable. It's not profitable be, to be the person inventing the thing. It's profitable to be the person licensing the thing. You know, uh, and and it's very much that kind of find your tribe. And we say it a lot in the gay community. Well, the LGBT plus community. We say sort of, hey, if you don't like the tribe you're in find new friends and stuff and it's the wonderful thing that we have at nerdy up north where we've had a couple of people say to us kind of thing hey my friend base used to just be dickhead lads who only wanted to drink and only talked about this that and the other and now they're part of a community with nerdy up north where they can 
talk about the crazy anime they want and they don't have to hide it. They can talk about all of these stupid things that they love and they're really geeky about. And it's that, it's it's find your tribe. And what we see from Rom is he goes, oh, Ferenginar is a big pile of shit for me. Oh, the Federation and Starfleet is actually kind of fun and does all of the stuff that I care about. And he segues over to it. And and that help that helps Nog basically realize his dream of being in Starfleet. And I just think it's beautiful as a plot arc. But and but only it's... DS9 can tell the story so beautifully. But it but it's great that they they challenge the taboo, um, especially in American um culture, of unions mm. within this episode, because obviously Matt the 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 plot is uh rom has rom has got this infection he's not allowed to stick to it and then there is a bajoran ritual cleansing going on for a month where all bajoran people have to forego all worldly pleasures for a month so, it's like dry january that we've got at the minute it's, it's like dry january but less shit because they're in space and there's jumja sticks so it's um plus bajar is actually nice and it's not the northeast of england um, <laughs> uh, and, um, so the bar is is quiet because most of the patrons who are Bajorans because it is a Bajoran station are not mm. there so no one is gambling profits are down no one's drinking so Quark comes to the decision where he's going to cut everyone's salaries by a third not mm. oh this only lasts for a month we'll make this sacrifice and then we'll pop them back up he just goes this is an opportunity for him to gain more profits from yeah. his staff by using the ritual uh, cleansing uh, as an excuse, so and I, I love that how this parallels real life. Right, like this parallels well. stuff that has happened now, where it's the the fact of Rom basically goes, oh well, when the festival's over, you'll put our uh, you'll put our wages back up, won't you? And Quark's like, no. <laughs> and it, this is exactly what we got during the pandemic. The uh, the British government, well, Rishi the twat Sunak. Uh, that is slander, by the way. Um, basically, well, just went. Well, you know, j just basically said like sort of, oh, okay, Russia's charging more for fuel and stuff. So what we'll do is we'll um, raise the rates. So we'll take the limits off all of the fuel companies, and then they can raise their rates. And then as soon as Russia turned around and went, okay, cool, everything's gone back to normal, the supply chains like back to normal kind of thing, lowered the price of everything. They kept the rates exactly where they were. And that nothing would have made them lower their rates unless they were made to. And that horrendous profiteering where you're just going, so you're using, it's just weird. Like that they that they would just go, oh, well, we can't lower the rates now that we're charging this. It's, but but oh. coincidentally, though, Rishi Sunak, who, his, con his constituency, guys, is 30 miles from where we live in Richmond, right? So it's the northeast. It's called. Congratulate yeah. Rishi Sunak on building a swimming pool at his home <laughs> in Richmond, in the northeast of England, where it's called. Yeah. So, well, you know, he he's he's obviously good at forethought. He's good at profiteering. <laughs> he's good at profiteering. Um, and yeah. unlike um, Captain did, Tom's relatives, did we relatives, pay for that pool? By the way, well, at least he got permission. Unlike Captain Tom's relatives, so the um, but it's it is. You see, in the UK, we have a long-standing tradition with unions and unionism, and mm. especially in the, the Labour North, Party was born from unions. Yeah, in, and especially in the North, and more prominently the Northwest and the Northeast of England, 
we had the 80s. Mm. <laughs> you, see, <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? I love how you were just like, you're going to get to talk about Thatcher on this episode. And I was like, oh, I wasn't planning to. And you're just like, I will take you there we, if I have to fucking drag we, you. We feel very strongly, <laughs> we feel very strongly about unions and unionism uh, here at Nerdy Up North uh, because obviously mm. our history in this area stems from the unions fighting yeah. for their survival, uh, people's survival in this area. And the current government, 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 um, government. who was also in um, power in the 80s, tore through the unions like a knife through hot butter and decimated the northeast of England. So there is a little mm. bit of animosity when it comes to the Conservative Party. Well, um, let's just let's just talk quickly about all of the good things that Thatcherism brought us. I mean, look at the the, the fact that she managed to open up all nationalised services for being bought so that now they're absolutely in destitution and falling apart and we're going to have to spend billions of taxpayer money in order to buy them back purely to actually fix them so that they actually serve the public now. I mean, what what an amazing move that was are just you, for some shitty short-term profit. Are you telling me that you are unhappy with the fact it costs £250 to travel by train from Newcastle to London, whereas it costs £60 by plane to travel from Newcastle to London. Are you not saying that that is not fair and economical and viable? I, well, I, it's it, it's the ludicrous fact that, like, you know, you just kind of go like, oh, oh I'm furious. Because obviously, if you're not aware, if you're from abroad or whatever, uh, living overseas, uh, we've recently had a whole year of strikes. 2023 was basically the year of everyone going on strikes, where all of the rail... Uh, companies basically where the rail workers went on strikes simply because they're being treated like shit and you have to this is the whole joy of this episode of ds9 is covering just how stupid businesses are that they just slit their own wrists effectively you know where they just kind of go like because what we had is we had the uh thatcher opened up the railways to be privatized i think they were privatized under major i think she privatized loads of they stuff were, but yes. not the rail the but she opened it up and she was yeah. like she was looking for offers before she got like you know kicked out um and then major basically under major it was like going hey cool um we'll sell them off and then it just means that they don't get fixed they don't get like maintained properly so the service goes bad because they're just going hey why would we waste time making the trains run properly or fixing them up or spending money on them when that could be profit in our pocket why would we keep the workers happy so that they do a better job and that the engineers do a better job and that we have more engineers when that will cost us more profit and then what does that mean? It means they all fall apart. And now what we're seeing is like a hundred pound each way uh, tickets to London, uh, which no one is going to pay or, you know, only the rich are going to be able to afford, meaning that people don't travel. I mean, imagine if it was nationalized again and that it was only sort of 20 pound a fare anywhere in the UK, like it is in Germany, where you just kind of go, hey, just jump, jump on a train today, travel all the way down to London for 20 quid and spend loads of money in London. It's... Go to Norfolk, like go go to Norfolk or go to like sort of Western Supermare or something and start splashing ca cash around there. 
that would be great for British society, but we don't because we need a reason to go to Western Supermare. And then some people literally can't travel to these places because of how ex expensive it is. It's sci-fi so, so yeah. sci queens in the chat. <laughs> hello Nita me love hope you're well all the way all the way in Buckley but she says it sounds like a huge difference between trains and planes and it, yes it is because yeah. it, it's they want you to be more green but then they're like do you want to spend 250 pounds on a four hour journey on a train or yeah. 60 pounds for an hour journey yes you have to wait two hours but yeah. like have a half empty a train. train yeah have, have a half empty i have, have like a sort of quarter full train running all the time because no one can afford to be on it uh that's going to be well, worse for the environment than having a like if the train is going to run and you're going to make it run then why not have it full and doing things and carrying people around but then you look what? at the, the the like the majority of the strikes and i, I can i can speak from personal experience where it's just like the events of the pandemic meant inflation went through the roof, but the mm. salaries did not catch up on it. And everyone's going, hey, we, we would kind of like to um, pay our bills and also eat this month. And yeah. the jobs are like, well, you are getting what you deserve. And it's just like, no, this is like reflective of 2019. This is 2024. Mm. We would like to... You know, I, I, make, and, then... I make more money than I ever done in my entire life. And yet mm. I am more... I am worse off far worse off than what i was when i was earning ten thousand pound less and it's insane but yeah. that is the state of the country and that's and, why there's the a lot of strikes and the whole problem is that it's because they've just gone oh we're not going to up your pay even though things are getting more expensive and you're just going yeah but the whole point is the reason why debenhams are going bust the reason why wilco's are going bust the reason why all of these companies are going bust is because if people were paid more money they'd be able to shop there but no one has any money to buy anything. No. So it's this weird thing where you're just going, if workers are paid more money and companies make less profit, then companies make more profit because more people have more money to spend. And it's just this, like, like we see in this episode, it is the short-sightedness of greed that just goes, oh, but if I, if I have all of my stuff here and I don't give any of it out, then I, have, I don't lose any money. And it's like, yeah, but you don't gain as much as you would be if you were good with money. It's... But this, this is the situation we have. It's the same as we had with the writer's strike in Hollywood, mm. where it's the idea of going, how much money have they lost? How much good favour have they lost? And how much wasted airtime is there? Because it means that shows, like with Star Trek, it's going to be two years until we see any more of them. And you're just going, what? all that loss there just because you wouldn't pay people a bit but more. But then you it's... see, then the, the counter, but the, then you see they actually do have a lot of money and it and it's mm. it's infuriating and again from personal experience where we have got no money we have got no money but we are also doing this and doing this and doing this and you're like but you you said you don't have the yeah. the money to do so with this one though it's it's also steering away from the uk this disc the, the discussion of unionism and and talking about this in america again is is very taboo where you get stores that are threatened with closure if the staff even mull the term union mm. and you know their head office gets wind of it and they're like we will close you and this is exactly what bar association does where you know uh grimp says you know the fca's got ears everywhere 
little side note, Grimp, Jason Marsden plays him. I thought he was Aaron Eisenberg at first, but it's Jason Marsden. Mm. He was in Monsters Today in the early 90s. And really? he was Boone in Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> so that is it. I didn't movie. know that. Yeah. So, but he, he, he says, you know, very much a parallel of, of American society. You know, oh, they've got ears everywhere. They can listen to you. And yeah. And you, you see that in, in when uh, game studios try to unionize, <laughs> when, when stores try to unionize, they are threatened with redundancies and the shops are threatened mm. with closing down because they would rather take the hit of closing down that store and foregoing all profits on that store than yeah. dealing with collective bargainism. And it's just, it's it's insane. And to it's, tackle And it's how dangerous the concept of freedom is in America. Like the the idea of, of freedom free. of speech. Yeah, the, the like the idea of people being free to express dissent and being free to sort of go, hey, I don't agree with this. And that is clamped down on. It's the irony of America being called the land of the free when, like, I was speaking to someone the other day because I'm fairly ignorant about all of this. But the idea of they don't have paid holidays, do they? You just take, if you want to have two weeks off, don't you, you, well, you need a really good job. But otherwise, don't you just not work for two weeks? I you can take as many holidays as you want, but you just don't get paid. No, I, th I think like, the minimum is two weeks paid vacation. I think that's the standard. Unlike they do have Europe. some. Okay. Yeah, unlike in Europe yeah. and the UK, where it's it's thirty three days or six weeks. Yeah. But they do have them in America. Yeah. Uh, okay. It depends. It depends on the jobs because you do get other companies where uh, people they they try the experiment of take as much time as you want off. And mm. everyone's like, that's brilliant. But then it's it was sort of a double-edged sword because they're like, take as much time as you want off through the year for your vacation, for your mental health. Mm. But then it's reflected poorly when they go, you did take three weeks off. And, you know, yeah. a company that we really need everyone here, it, it just shows yeah. that you're not committed oh, you, enough. You didn't work yourself to the bones, yeah. so you're not committed you, enough. You're not <laughs> committed enough to the... And it's sort of a double-edged sword with that. It's very... I, I always assume Which is what Rom has things. in this. Which I, is what Rom has, where he's like, he could have taken time off, but he wouldn't have got... Um, he wouldn't have got paid for it kind of thing. So instead, he works himself into sickness. Yeah. And, and and I always parallel it with Japanese culture in the in the nineties, where it was the same. You you do sixty, seventy, eighty hours a week, work yourself to the bone, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, um, and it would kill people. Um, thankfully, you know, Japanese culture has reformed uh, working practices, but they are still mm -hmm. pretty. You know, you, you some companies have company anthems that must be sung every morning, and you know, you have to be there at least two hours early and stay there at least you know an hour or two hours. After that, I've I've had jobs as recently mm. as 2021 that did that, where you are expected to be there early and you are expected to literally be the one that turns the light off. You don't get paid for it. They they don't expect you. They want you to do it yeah. for the love of the company. And Rom in... in and then do nothing to give that air uh, to reward that. Yeah. Like, uh, but commitment. like Rom says in this episode... You know the 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 culture is exploitation, and then we work to become the exploitee. So, I wrote that down. Hold yeah. on, where is it? Uh, where did? Uh, oh, where? Sci-fi sci queens has just said there. Yes, we have vacations, but it's limited, and it can affect your review if you take vacation, uh, and uh, and then you need to take medical leave. See how shocking is that? Like it's just. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, cool. This, this is the line. Um, what is it? Ferengi workers don't want to stop the exploitation; they want to find a way to become the exploiters. Yeah, and it's very much like this uh, view we have of Americans or whatever, where all Americans are just embarrassed millionaires, where the poorest people will defend the rich because they think one day they're going to be rich. But they don't quite realize that the whole system is set up so that they can never get there. They just have to shut up, do the work, and keep pretend, keep going for that carrot on the stick. And you know, like it's key, and it is just like terrifying that the system is set up like that, so that they're kind of just, you know, going towards the carrot all along, without like the sort of getting to enjoy themselves. The so they, they they go on strike in the episode, um, and I, and I do love there was there was a little scene where they're outside of the bar and uh, Ron is thanking everyone for not pay, you know not being a patron of Quark's bar and giving them money to do mm. so, and yeah. then you see Bashir and uh, O'Brien. Yeah. And first of all, first of <laughs> this all, this is a great little Before people. we yeah. get to this scene, we do get sean o'brien's backstory um, oh yeah no well what what we get is we basically have it where when rom goes to sickbay to see o'brien uh, to see bashir about his ear uh bashir about mentions about talking about yeah, his ear. Uh, mentions like oh you should form a union you know kind of thing and then rom immediately does that and goes to the workers and basically says hey you know uh i think we should start a union and gets them all on his side bizarrely which is great because it's the first time we get to see rom standing up for himself because he's very passionate about this non-ferengi kind of thing but then he goes back to sick bay while uh, miles o'brien's in there getting like a cyst removed from his neck and basically goes hey i did that thing you told me to do and i started a union how do i do it then <laughs> and bashir's like eh, i didn't tell you i just kind of suggested that i didn't say go on strike uh, and then obviously, uh, my uh, Lord God Miles O'Brien chimes in with uh, what is it? Oh, what is it? What Sean O'Brien? I wrote it down. The, oh yeah, yeah, that's it. It's uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna find. Who it. do you think led the Pennsylvania coal miners during the anthracite strike of 1902? <laughs> it was Sean O'Brien. Sean Aloysius O'Brien. <laughs> he was a union man. Um, I love that. This is the most iconic line from TS9 of, ah, he was a union man. But then he and he explains like how heroic it was that his ancestor was a union man and then goes into how horribly he died because well, like, he got murdered. Yeah, it's like 11 man. months the, mine were the mines were closed uh, and they weren't opened again until after all the workers' demands were met. Um Sean's body was discovered a week <laughs> before this strikes ended with 32 bullets in him. What was it? 34. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the idea of you just see Ron be like, oh, oh dear, I didn't know that. And but it's the, the wink thinking. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but it's this, this thing of, though, Rom is a comedy character. And then this episode manages to find that tiny tightrope balance between him being a comedy character and also being a very serious political character. And it's wonderfully done. Uh, I've just seen um, Sci-Fi Queens. Yeah, uh, Rom is so brave because he's so progressive. It yeah. was what I was saying earlier about the idea of he represents going against the expectations of your society when you realise that it's toxic for you. But uh, also, I love I love you being here, Mr. Tierney. Like, uh, it is very much the idea of I'm glad that Scottish people hate the Tories as much as us. 
um but yeah getting back to o'brien and bashir on the promenade where they're watching people they're taking bets on who's going to go in and who isn't and obviously the vulcan mm. walks away uh and then this is the se- i think this is the second time we see the pack legs because i actually yeah, I, it, I wrote it down and in big capital letters bloody pack legs that walk in we are smart what? I, I was laughing about like how everyone is in this episode. I'm pretty sure the only things we don't get in this episode is we don't see Jake and we don't see Nog. Everyone else Nog's is represented. Even, Academy, isn't he? Yeah, even yeah. even bloody Packleds. Like we even yeah. actually see we we have Packleds come back. We have um Norsicans in it. Yeah. We have yeah, we have Brunt, we have Jeffrey Coombs, we have everything in this episode you, and it's wonderful. Would you have wanted to see because obviously Warf, Warf walks into the bar? Um yeah. Because oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we see. With, uh, sorry, what you were saying is uh, Bashir and O'Brien are watching the bar to see who breaks the picket line. Yeah. So who like Who's walks past the, the strikers and still goes into the bar like yeah. it is a scab. And obviously uh, there's some pack lids go in because they're known as being stupid. So it's a bit of a little joke there of going, hey, we've got the stupidest race in Star Trek and they're the only ones that will break a union like a uh, line. And then they have like a, a Vulcan known for being the most intelligent and wisest character uh, race in the galaxy. And they refuse to go in, which is smart, which is a nice little nudge. And then obviously they have Worf and they are going, nah, Worf will never go in. But then he does. So what they do is they just go, no, 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 we're, we're going to follow him and tell him what he's done wrong kind of thing. Would you? And then what do the we fight? cut to? Yeah. What do we cut to after this thing? Of- They're all in the brig because of being arrested. <laughs> Bashir, Bashir, O'Brien and Worf have been arrested for a brawl on the promenade. Something I am fuming that we never got to see because apparently Bashir <laughs> got thrown over a fucking table by Worf. <laughs> and I would have loved to have seen this massive disagreement. I, I so wanted to see O'Brien, a union man, the greatest Starfleet <laughs> officer who ever lived, stand up to this seven foot, well, six and a half, seven foot yeah. tall Klingon. But I really wanted to see O'Brien stand up for his values, no matter who it is. He has still got those values and he will confront them face to face to go, no. But what it, you are doing is wrong, and this is why it is wrong. Like, he wouldn't just yeah. go in and throw a punch. He would explain to them what is happening, why it is happening, and why what you are doing can be construed as wrong to everyone on the station to which you have just moved to. And the, this is the thing, though. It's the, the wonderful statement here of how important it is to support unions and to support striking workers. Even if you're not the one on strike, you need to support them mm. and you need to sort of go, hey, don't, you know, like, don't go again, you know, don't break the line kind of thing. Like these companies need to, like, you know, uh, suffer basically because of how they've treated uh, was, unions. Because yeah, as, was... we, as we see, people don't go on strike lightly. No. no one goes on strike lightly. There's a narrative of basically like, oh, well, you know, they'll just drop tools at any kind of, inconvenience and you're like no it takes years of being ignored it takes because it's such a serious thing it takes years of being ignored and being mistreat and being underpaid and whatnot until the idea of a union and the idea of going on strike ever occurs so as soon as a strike happens you just go that company's failed pretty badly to ignore its workers that much you know it's the idea of how you could support a company like that knowing that it's ignored its employees so heavily you know 
Mr. Mr. Tierney said O'Brien would stand up to anyone on board any starship. Yeah. Uh, yep. And Sci-Fi Queen. So many people <laughs> badmouth O'Brien. I don't understand why he was, why he was the greatest officer. He is the greatest officer who ever lived. Let's. I mean, he fought the Cardies. Uh, that's the Kardashians. Um, mm. Not Kardashians. Kardashians. Well, I think um, the Kardashians would also break a pickup. Uh, a strike line. They have. So they, they, they yeah, legit, that, that's they it. So technically, O'Brien would beat up the Kardashians. When I was when I was in America, <laughs> ironically, when I was in America, they were one of the few shows. Then and Drew Barrymore uh, mm. crossed the picket line, um, and they they got some steam for that man. I mean, yeah. When when I was in LA, rightly so. No one likes a scab. When I was in LA the you know you go past the studios you st- I mean they're, they're probably wondering what's that weird accent coming from that that car going past because I'm just like <laughs> give him hell mate wangers and they're just like what is 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 that a Scottish person what um <laughs> but you have to show that solidarity and for Wharf you know I would I would just really would have loved to seen that interaction between O'Brien and Wharf and uh, to see yeah. it escalate uh, and, but we don't, and we see the first but, but, of score. But I think I think it's the idea of we don't. I don't think we need to see it because the writing is so well that we can kind of fill in the blanks ourselves. It would have been fun to see, but this is the wonderful thing about DS Nine, where it basically it knows what bits you don't need to see, and obviously that kind of contrasts with like stuff like Discovery, where it goes, "Hey, you don't need to see this, but we're going to spend twenty minutes or a whole episode." doing this bit that you don't really care about and you don't really need to see, you know, even whereas in this point, all we need to know is that an altercation happened. There was an argument because they had two different points of view regarding striking workers and whatnot. Uh, Because obviously Wolf will have just been like, oh, but it doesn't affect me kind of thing. I just need a drink and I don't care if they get paid more or whatnot, which is the selfish kind of, oh, well, doesn't affect me that we get in society this is the reason why we have the tories in government because people are like oh well none of their policies are going to hurt me and you're like well i'm glad you enjoyed the pandemic because you know like enjoy that's what happens when you put shit heads in charge you know enjoy being overcharged for your heating i love though uh because because cisco because o'brien asked cisco if they can go uh from the from the brig uh cisco says oh yeah yeah you can in the morning um and then he has I, I, well i i just love i just want to point out sorry I, i'm interrupting you so much but i'm so passionate about this episode i'm sorry goodwill but it's it's this idea of we see cisco 23 minutes into a 45 minute episode like what of a star trek could do without the character that is seen as the main character a for this long to how good the entourage yeah. is in this Sure. This is why a lot of people consider Deep Space Nine to be the greatest. Me and Sonoris, we both agree on this. This is the greatest Star Trek series that has ever been created because 23 minutes in, the star of the show appears. We don't even realise he is not there up until yeah. this point because every character is strong. But then when he is there and he's having the meeting with Quark... It's, oh, it's, it's so a good. minor scene. This is the thing, though. It's two minor. Scene. He's on. He's on screen for about six minutes of a forty-five minute episode, but he stays with you because of how good Cisco is. But he's not needed for the whole thing. He doesn't need to be looming in the background. He doesn't need to be Michael Burnham where he's in every single shot. You know, it's it's that joy of just being like, yeah, 
Cisco exists, he is an entity on the ship, and he is in this plot, you know? But it's brilliant because Cisco essentially just could Cisco has refused the protesters, uh, the, 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 the picket line, to be moved away from the bar. We know that from Odo because it's their freedom. It's, it's their freedom yeah. of speech, freedom of expression, freedom to protest. He brings Quark to um, the, the ready room and just basically says, you, need, you, you will speak to Rom and you will speak to Rom today. You will resolve this today. Otherwise, the Federation, <laughs> who has overlooked rent payment, maintenance fees and power consumption for the last five years, will come a-knocking with a very hefty bill and he I, knows I, but this is this is the good thing though this this is what because we get a bit of context from quark where you know to even talk with someone who is in a union or doing a strike goes against every friendly cultural belief blah blah blah, yeah. blah and cisco goes i appreciate that but you will do this because then he he understands one side of friendly culture but then he appeals to the other side of friendly culture of not spending money when they don't have to and then if he goes we are you know we have been good landlords up until now and if you don't break this we will send you the bill and it's it's brilliant tactic it's the genius of it where because like you're saying it's the fact of like cisco's thing like how picard doesn't like kids like how janeway doesn't like things that exist he, he, uh, hybrid know, murder is what she enjoys or, or, the most or tea as coffee. we find in prodigy where she just <laughs> hates <laughs> being having to have bloody sort of like lemon tea She's or whatever anti-picard it's brilliant <laughs> but it's the the idea of like cisco's main thing is he doesn't like ferengi he doesn't trust ferengi and he doesn't like uh picard or borg you know but it's this idea of over the show he learns to rethink how he feels about Ferengi due to characters like Rom, due to characters like Nog. And it is kind of a wonderful bit of character progression. But it has it where he has Quark by the balls here, mm. where, you know, like, he basically just goes, okay, I understand that you're going to get in trouble if you actually agree to a union's demands because that's going to validate union activity and then you'll get punished by the FCA. However, we have let you stay on the ship for free you have paid us no rent. You get free energy because we don't give you energy bills. And also we have engineers fixing all of your equipment all the time and whatnot for free. So we're just going to give you the bill for five years of that if you don't sort this out. And effectively gives Quark the ultimatum of going, hey, uh, do you want to pay all this money that you don't have? Or do you want to get in trouble with the FCA that you might be able to get out of? And obviously Quark goes... That's a very Ferengi way of doing things, you know. Okay, I'll sort it out. The the gentle dogs, as you said, there. The scene is a testament to both the writing and yeah. the act uh, and Avery and Armin's acting skills. It is. It's brilliant because they they, it's it's like I said, Avery Brooks is only in like like Sonosa said. It's Avery yeah. Brooks is in for six minutes in total, but the the writing is basically he Cisco knows Quark and knows how to appeal to Quark. Quark has made his case where. I can't talk to the unions. It goes against our cultural beliefs. It's 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 against everything yeah. that Ferengi, uh, the Ferengi people stand for. And Cisco just goes at it immediately in another lane where he goes, "Okay, I appreciate that, but you either you know you bust this, you break this strike today and concede, or you will be financially destitute by the end of the day." 
And it's yeah. it's brilliant because any well, other character, it, it, even Picard, wouldn't be as diplomatic. Like, wouldn't be as blunt yeah. as this. Picard would be extremely diplomatic and mediate. Cisco <clears> is <throat> just gone full Cisco and just gone. Do this, or you're destitute. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and it, it, that is what's wonderful about Cisco. He is very much a problem solver. Yeah, and and the the idea of this tells you exactly what you need to know about companies. If we use Quark as an example of corporate greed and corporate inflexibility, which is the reason why corporations fail, because mm. when you think about it, Quark is actually a shit businessman. Like. Think about it. He has a bar running on an incredibly popular like station with tons of tourists coming in constantly. He doesn't pay his workers anything. He keeps his overheads as low as possible. And he doesn't need to pay rent or energy or maintenance for anything. And yet he's still not a billionaire. And you're just going like, he is actually terrible. And it's this perfect example of going hey, the people who are running these massive corporations are actually shit. Whereas people who value money more and people who have had to value money more tend to be better with it. Uh, and so what we, uh, you know, like what we have here is the short-sightedness of going, hey, I'm going to work in a multicultural environment, but I'm not going to adapt to other cultures. And I'm not going to go, oh, wait, we have to do things the Federation way if we're working on a Federation ship. Well, a Bajoran ship, or in federation jurisdiction and you just kind of go yeah if you have a business and you can't adapt to the different clientele and the different sort of things you have to work in you will fail and that is effectively what court gets slapped with in but, this but this is this is this is especially since the pandemic this is what we've seen in real life adapt or die if yeah. you can't and and specifically like workers. Debenhams where it just goes like, oh yeah, oh you you struggled from the pandemic, but you still claimed profits. Like the the nuts thing where we just go, hang on, why didn't you take that money that you gave to shareholders and go, hey, actually there weren't any profits this year. We need to put this into our savings because we need to make sure that people get their pensions if we go bust. We need to make sure that workers get paid and whatnot. We need to make sure that the doors keep open, but they don't because they just go, okay, we'll just well we promised those profits to put a share holders and you're like well why is that like that why is that the priority like surely that is the stupidest thing you could do in the entire world and then what happens is the last people who get the money are the people who have worked hard the workers they're the ones getting told oh sorry you don't get a pension anymore because we spent the pension fund uh yeah we just spent it sorry and and the the shocking thing is obviously it's never going to happen under the tories because you know they're the ones profiting from this but it's the idea of just like, yeah, that we don't have laws against this. <laughs> you know, like literally, it's, 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 surely they should have stuff where it just kind of goes, oh, right. OK, your company, you're claiming bankruptcy for you. You've gone into sort of administration with your company. Uh, well, you just can't have any profits or we get to seize all of your assets or whatnot in order to pay the workers what they're owed. But there's nothing. There are no laws like that. Which is... it, it's You look at the office workers when the pandemic happened. Oh, you can never work from home. You can't work from home. It's not It's yeah. not possible and it's not this. And in, in the space of a month, here is a laptop. Off you go home. Bye. And then it was... and it's the epitome of they. it's not that they couldn't work from home. It's the fact of all these companies are like, oh, by owning office space and owning buildings and owning sort of like, you know, uh, what's it called? Real estate. We can make more money because we make more money by owning this and the gaining of that. We need to justify having these buildings because of the money that they yeah. could give us. And you're sitting there being like, 
oh, right, okay, so it's not about that people can't work from home. It's about the idea of you need to justify, you know, your investments. And yeah, it, that, oh, that's exactly what it is. Appalling. You know, it, it showed that people were happier. We were saving fuel. It was better for the environment. People were at home. You know, there were uncomfortable places for people who are introverts being comfortable. People went sane. Yeah. I, my life improved so much because of the pandemic. And like the, the simple idea of having an extra three hours a day that I didn't have to travel to the office, having a working environment where I could step away from the computer and take some time, make a yeah. cup of tea or like sit down and like literally just take half an hour out and sit in the living room and just kind of like, you know, check my phone or whatever before going back to work without someone being like, oh, why aren't you at your desk? And oh, well, I've been looking over your shoulder and I've noticed that you've, you know, been looking on other websites and stuff, you know, without having that. And you're just going, oh, wow, I become a better worker. I become a happier worker. Is, you know, it is what a crazy concept. Because you don't, you don't have, you know, the, again, there's the whole real estate issue where, yes, they, you know, they make profits from this real estate and all, mm. and they make the justification, oh, well, the landlords are going to lose money. No, you are going to lose money. Yeah. But then it's the case of what is the point of middle managers if you are not there to be middle managed and to be micromanaged and to have someone looking over your shoulder? And then it was like, it, I know we're going off on a tangent, but you look at <laughs> the, you look at the the first half of the pandemic where they're like, this is brilliant production mm. you know productivity is up everyone is yes the you know people are isolated but people are happier they're getting stuff done and then and then suddenly you see the change where it's oh well you know people are encouraged to go back to work because it's better for mental health it's better to socialize no fuck off it's wrong you can socialize yeah. online you can socialize if you want in person and i'm glad that we have hybrid working i i yeah. think it needs <clears> to be a little bit better because you do get that i i like a balance um but again they're like oh mm. well we need this building for it and then you know an, an, I, I think an old the, job the, the... where it's like oh we've got this office and we need to justify this office so you have to come in and then people come in and they go oh well we're closing this office and now you'd have to travel an extra 30 miles a day to go to this other office well why mm. can't i just work from home and save the cost of fuel no because you need to be around people for your mental health off you go and you're just like Wait, this is the crazy what? thing like i i had so many i won't get into it too heavily but i had massive arguments with my like immediate boss at the time when the pandemic was like over and they were like oh time to go back to the office because it literally was just a kind of oh well back to normal you know, come in yeah. every day kind of thing, spend an extra grand and a half on a Metro pass for a year, kind of, you yeah. know, that you didn't need to do for two years. Uh, and then immediately I was like, no, you know, and I just put my foot down and said, no, I'm not coming in. And they were like, you know, and I get a call at like 9am being like, oh, why aren't you in the office? And I'm like, because I'm working from home. But I'm not coming was, in. And, was... and I very much took a stand on this. But then the hilarious thing is had all these arguments with them. And then immediately, as soon as it got passed above, and it got passed to their boss, they were just like, oh yeah, just let them work from home. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, and then it just got resolved. And I was like, yeah, why was but, that such a fight? You know? here, is, here is the benefit of unions, of having this. Mm. We, we were in a position, and we largely can be in it, still be in it, where there was the, the the workers sort of and I, I don't want to say backbone in an in a nasty way but workers got the confidence i i certainly did um i mm. i took a hell of a risk where 
it was a case of you know they were saying oh well you you have to come in and do this and you and i was like well no and i i left that job and i went somewhere else i got mm. to that job and they were like well you have to do this and you have to work over for no pay i was doing at one point i was doing 100 hours a week only being Bloody paid hell. for 40 right because that's the work culture you are yeah. expected to do that you will not find a better job anywhere else and i'm like no i know i'm worth more than this i know that if a union was in here they would be like what the fuck are you guys doing but it was an it was a company where don't mention union don't mention union yeah. they don't like the word union and ironically Wait. this is a company owned by someone who owns a football club in my area and that's all i'm going <laughs> to say right but it was a case of don't mention unions don't mention unions i was like no fuck this i'm out i took the risk right and this is in mm. 2021 to leave a paid job and i actually said this to the head of hr not just for that company for all the companies and the football group i said i would rather be unemployed with an amazing amount of debt than work for this company one more day and mm. this is what companies are terrified of that the 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 culture of you could be replaced by next week if you don't do this and a lot of people are going okay bye walking yeah. out and going to find something else i did that and i was very lucky to find a job where i could walk out of my house and be at work in 20 minutes because that's how close yeah. i i work and the without unions fighting mm. for people without these these collect without collective bargaining we wouldn't have the available you know the ability to be like i know my worth i know yeah. i don't you know i don't have to put up with this kind of shit i know that i you know the the cost of living is this and i am being severely underpaid it's getting to the point in the uk where there were websites where they're like okay put your job role in what you do mm. and we will tell you if you are paid what you should be paid or underpaid well, this is this is the thing though it's the fact of how terrifying the whole system it like you say the system is set up like that so that people don't question it yeah. so the idea of just going oh well if you leave now you can easily be replaced whereas the reality is okay you get someone fully trained to do my job and to pick up all the pieces of my job and all of the little strings and stuff and the things that i do that you don't know about because you're not paying attention like you should be to everything i do you try doing that without interruption to service you can't but you and that's know. the realization that like i remember when my uh, this is probably very personal, but it was basically my brother was like laid off from a job that he had, like where they basically went, hey, we're going to have to make some redundancies. So he got like a redundancy pay and stuff, but he got made redundant. But then the problem is that the people making that decision were just looking at what his job role was and assuming what he did in the company. But then obviously, as happens when you've been in a place for like years, he was going, oh, yeah, I do this for this department. I do this for this department. I have this connection with this other one, which means that I can basically get things through really quickly. All these little rapports around the whole company. And I'm the only person that knows how to do tons of things and that none of the people managing me have needed me to explain any of this or anything. And then as soon as basically he was made redundant, he got a redundancy package. And then they turned around and went, oh, we didn't realize that you were the, doing the job of about 10 people. 
uh, and we didn't we weren't paying you for that because we weren't paying attention to it. We were just used to you being able to do stuff. And then they had to employ about I think they had to employ five people to do his role. Yeah. Like and even afterwards, they were like going, hey, would you come back and just do the job again in order like because. You know, we've got five people in, but they're all kind of struggling because they can't pick up all of the strings and stuff. And you're just going, oh, shouldn't have made me redundant then. He obviously told them to fuck off. But it was the idea of just going, yeah, they don't, and, and this is what happens, you know. Le learning from experience from myself right now, they don't realize how indispensable and what you do until you are not there. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, shit. This person is the only person that can do A, B, and C. But the, I mean, the last thing we'll say before we get back to the episode, the other thing. Sorry, really yeah. gets sorry. sorry, chat. Yeah, We're, sorry, sorry chat. people I... listening. I'm sorry that we've just used this episode as like a a, a soapbox for we, we are having a union, but, vent. But this is the wonderful thing about Trek: the fact of all these idiots being like, "Oh, Trek isn't political. Trek isn't sort of you know social, and Trek shouldn't have all of this stuff in." And it's like going, "No, Trek is literally holding a mirror to the world and going, I will tell you this story of the real world through metaphor. It encourages a dialogue. Yeah." That's a, and this, is, this is what this episode does. It encourages a dialogue of the word union, of the, yeah. the, 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 the possibility of being in a union. The, the, you know, the, the other thing that, that, that got me was you see regional salary differences for the same job. And what I have seen in my area where there has been what's called this southern migration whereas people from london southern migration that sounds like something sexual it, it does doesn't it but unfortunately it isn't but it's <laughs> after where, a couple of drinks there was a southern migration but it's where the the people from kent london that area obviously yeah. the cost of living has got too much so they have sold up and moved up north where yeah. hey i could get a three-bedroom house that I sold for six hundred thousand pound up here for one hundred and fifty thousand pound, which you is, could buy Sunderland for that it's, much. It's brilliant, but then in the UK we then have salary differences for the different job based on the location of that job. So mm. for my job, it would be twice as much as it is here in London. But then mm. what's happening is they're going, well, I could actually work from home doing this job, therefore I am relocating, and no one at that HR is going oh shit, they're not actually in London now. We should look at their salary. No, they're keeping that salary. So what yeah. we are seeing up here is people doing the same job, you know, say if I, you know, I was doing their job, they're getting twice as much as I am. They have made an immense amount of profit on their selling of a home. And then they are now having, they now have a second hustle buying and flipping houses up here which is then in turn driving the house prices up for other people it's sort of a quasi bastardization of gentrification and it's yeah. it's it's insane that no one's looking at it and going oh okay so they do this job and they say they're in london but they only go down to london once a month so why do they get a london salary for living on teesside we, but this is what we had when uh, with the rail strike, because I remember that like the rail workers basically were like, uh, you know, OK, here's our demands and whatnot. And then the rail and then the rail company basically went like, OK, our best offer is we'll pay you what the other companies in the same city are paying you. And 
you know, and obviously the admission by them of going, hey, yeah, we are paying you less than all of our competitors, which is, uh, you know, yeah. surely in indicative. But then the fact of like the strikers were like, and, and then all of the papers, all of the fucking right wing fucking, you know, fucking bullshit uh, media were going like, oh, the workers are uh, turning down like, you know, offers from the company and oh, they just want to cause disruption. And it's because basically the workers turned around and said, we don't want to get paid what like similar workers in the same city are being paid. We want to be paid what the people in Manchester are being paid. We want to be paid what the people down south are being paid. And it's the, the disparity around the country of just going, why are we paid less up north than we are like, down south? A lot of people, and that, this yeah. is why a lot of people went. Back to the office you go in London, back to the office in Birmingham mm. you go, back to the office in Manchester, because obviously... To, to keep the culture there, the yeah. same as we see yeah. in this episode, where it's the where Quark throughout the whole episode is like, but we can't diminish Ferengi culture, we can't change the system, you know... But he <laughs> goes to Rom himself, after speaking to, to Cisco, and makes an offer to Rom... To make a, a, a transfer to he makes a, a bribe a, a to run, <laughs> yeah, to to call off the strikes, you know. So he's been held, you know, sort this, break this strike, and he's just gone. Okay, I won't actually deal with their issues. I will just go to the leader and try and pay him off because yeah. that will just solve all my issues. It doesn't work, and then we, I mean, we get. The FCA. It, we get that in government, though, where we get it, where you yeah. know for a fact that the heads of all these unions are being offered so many backhanders to be like, hey, just just you stop it. You get them to, you know, throw the towel in, you know. <gasps> What's this, a brown envelope? Oh, I, what this is. I mean, that's the thing, though. You would take the bribe and then be like, yeah, cool. I'm not going to do anything about it. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna mention that you bribed me. Oh no, you're not. Right, cool. Thanks. Ooh, <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> Bribery you with black. Take the bribe money and be like, oh, is it on the books? <laughs> oh well, you know. But then we uh, see then we see the FCA come in. <laughs> but we see the FCA come in with liquidated brunts, where you know the Ferengi government. Hi, Kirky. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Kirky. I just um, want to say hi, gentle dorks. You've been great in the chat. Everyone's been great in the chat. It's not well. like the tangents I take when talking about things when recording. So, oh, we do love a tangent here at Trekking Up. North. Oh, we we are. This is the most on on subject tangents have been ever on this can, episode because it's all relevant. We have got deep seated personal <laughs> issues when it comes to uh, bar association that just bring up a lot of things. But yeah, they, I mean, the FCA coming because obviously they want this quash because they don't want. Uh, murmurings of a of a union on a Ferengi um, company spreading throughout uh, the trade, you know, spreading throughout Ferengi culture. Because then, as we see in um, in the games industry at the moment, one union forms, it's then a domino effect, and then yeah. you see, you know, the murmurings at Activision, the murmurings at uh, other. Uh, games companies one forms and then another one starts to form and then another and then another and then another and it's all this all this thing of basically the companies trying to keep the boot on the workers so that nothing ever changes because we've got a culture here and apparently it's even worse in america where people don't talk about their wages like mm -hmm. people don't talk don't say to the person next to them doing the same job what do you what how much do you get paid and this is how like as workers because we're complicit in this the company it's the company's fault but we're complicit in men and women having a massive pay gap for like sort of several decades and it's simply because we never thought 
we never thought that actually the female workers were doing the same job as us and getting paid like a lot less because we don't talk about it because there's a culture of don't mention it kind of thing. Whereas what we should be doing is we should be turning to all of our colleagues and being like, how much do you get paid a year? Oh, that's like a thousand pounds less than me. You, you should speak to the boss. Oh, how much are you getting paid? Oh, I earn less than that. I should be getting what you're being paid. And if this Jesse idea did that on his last day of his previous job, I said, <laughs> I said to the person training me, how much do you get paid? And he went this. And I went, I get paid three thousand pounds more than you. And ironically mm. enough, that job has been advertised nine times since I left it. So yeah. it's going well. <laughs> but um, I, I love the fact um, the the FCA comes in and obviously they're, they're wanting to, to to, to stamp out this this strike mm. and this talk of union pretty quickly and we do who's see... the fca led by by the way liquidator brunt fca <laughs> jeffrey coombs um, jeffrey coombs oh we, this but, episode has everything but this is where we see because obviously the, the start of the episode quark wishes he was an only child and this is what he says to ron but then we see mm. at this point when the fca comes in Quark is genuinely fearful for Ron's life mm. when it comes to the FCA. And he's like, I have had to be hard on you to make you a better Ferengi. And I I sort yeah. of, I agree with Quark because throughout this episode, we see that the, the tough love has technically paid off when it comes to Ron because it, it did give him the confidence to stand up to Quark. And no, I... hear, me, hear me out, hear me out. Mm -hmm. So the tough love, yes, Quark was a bastard. We know Quark was a bastard. Yeah. But he stood up to Quark, he formed a union, he found his voice, he found his confidence, and he went his own way at the end of the episode. I don't think, without Quark's tough love and pushing him and prodding him, Ron would have done that because I think Ron would have been quite a little bit more resigned if he didn't have that antagonistic relationship mm. with his brother. That's my takeaway from it. And I do I'm... see this. I do <clears throat> see why Quark says this in the sea ways. Like, I, I've had to be hard on you to make you a better Ferengi. I think they, this is the thing, because I will disagree with you, but it's the... Because the thing for me is we're getting it where Quark is saying, I had to be hard on you to maintain the status quo to because when you think about it the reason why rom is able to stand up to his brother and do this is because he's been driven to the end of his fucking rope yeah. because it's literally this idea of going he has been treated like crap for the last time to the point where he doesn't care anymore like literally he's just going you know like quark is saying to him they will get you killed and then rom is like I'm fine with that. And she just go, and while Quark might refer to it as tough love, it's actually bullying. It's actually oh, being yeah, horrendous yeah. to his brother. And this is the thing, because this is what like this is what my uh childhood was like, where it's obviously me being very like possibly on the spectrum. I mean, fucking hell, you know, you've you've known me for a while, Goodwill. Like I'm you know, if I was any more on the fucking spectrum, I'd be Treasure Island Dizzy. So it's the idea of like you know, it's but it's the idea of just being like, you know, growing up, be, being a gay kid, being very, very ADHD or whatever, yeah. or autistic or whatever the fuck I am. And then it's this this fact of my dad was very much lads, lads, straight man. Mm -hmm. Don't be different. Don't stick out. And 
that made my childhood a, a nightmare effectively and that's how i can be who i am now but i don't thank my dad i don't be like oh thank you for making me feel like shit for so many years and making life so difficult because it allowed me to give no shits now it's the idea of just going like we need to change as a society and it's more the idea of making what it did was make me realize wow we need to change that kind of culture of like oh try to fit in like try to cram yourself into the space that you've been given you know that yeah. that, that, that yeah. so that that's the kind of thing so it's effectively we're saying the same thing but what i'm saying is it's a bad way of doing it but if rom had been treated with more love he wouldn't have snapped if, if, you know, if Quark had been a bit kinder to his brother, then yes, he wouldn't have done the union. But, but I is... wouldn't praise Quark for it. I'm not, I'm I'd not say praising, Quark I'm not dug his own it. grave. I, I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not praising And we, we do see the consequences of his actions where he goes back to the bar and the FCA need to make an example of someone. <laughs> I love this um, scene, by the way. And they end up just beating the ever-loving shit out of Quark. I mean, the Norse well, I, I love the idea that they fights. won't beat up Lita because she's too pretty, because Brun oh, fancies like her. Lord. Well, I, I look, <laughs> this is the hilarious thing. This is how good the writing and acting is in DS9, though, that I wondered why in the scene where it has uh, Brunt addressing the union, he keeps making eyes at Lita and getting distracted by her and being like, oh, oh, she's pretty kind of thing. And I was like, what's the payoff for this going to be? And then later in the episode, it kind of goes, oh, that's why he doesn't beat up Lita, even though he's she's obviously who Rom is in love with mm. and everyone can see it. That's why he doesn't go for her. He goes for Quark, you know? And it, the hilarious thing is Quark brought them in technically to stop the strike and then Quark ends up getting beaten up by them because that's the only way to maintain the status quo. And it's this idea of going, yeah, if you are a corporation, you're going to get fucked over by the people that you're trying to help, you know, in that weird way. But, but a testament a testament to Rom, even in the infirmary where, you know, he's got a crushed eye socket and uh, shattered um, ascending ribs, where... I love Rom... how you remembered that. It's a kink. But it's where <laughs> Rom, even in the face of his own brother having the, the ever-loving fuck being out of him, mm. will not back down from this union, will not yeah. call off the strike. And it this is a this is a Rom we have never seen before, uh, up until this point. And like I said, this is a great episode where a, a character who was a minor sub character becomes a major player becomes a confident leader yeah. of people um and even this is when quark i mean i love the fact you say quark i say quack because i just sound Are like you, a, i a think smug. you're right though i think i think it is what is it is quark, quark? i sound like a smug i think it duck. depends on the actors i, sound like I, I love duck. the idea that there's some names in like it's not not latinum <gasps> and a bottle oh of i love it so much um, is that official it's official yes it was from uh star trek uh the experience oh, i love that so much someone oh. um brought it over for me all the way back in 2001 um oh. but uh it's 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 <laughs> where we we see quark sorry <laughs> quack i'm a i'm a, I'm a duck from middlesbrough quack Honk. 
Don't don't bring the duckians into this. They're Quack the sworn this. enemies of the geeseians. Do you have a power? <laughs> um, but we we see where Quack Quack. Re- he realizes the 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 that he is not going to back down, and then it's the it's the concession of dissolve the union officially, hmm. but unofficially I will give you. I mean, I will give you and the staff everything you wanted. But then, even then, he's still negotiating. You know, at the end of the six months, when he's like, no, 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 no. I. I love it as well. Like Quark still tries to fuck his brother over. Like he's lying on our in our in sick bay with like a broken eye socket, and he's still kind of like, okay, well, six months later, then we'll discuss I'll, like I'll getting a pay rise and stuff. I will give you half pay. and then Rom is just like, no, no, you could just make a fake ledger like you usually do. And Quark's like, oh fuck, yeah, okay, yeah, go on, about yeah, that, we could totally do. Yeah, I love it. It's it's this is. Every character is so brilliant can, in this. Can like we, it just oh. can we just briefly address obviously Wolf's difficulty in adjusting to station life mm. because it is different to the Enterprise. Yeah. And I, I want you to reference the scene with Odo. Yeah. This is the thing. It's like Odo is my favorite character in possibly track. Like the more I watch you know that someone who also was says it Quark. Unpla- was, it unplanned, Quark. was it unplanned Trek? on or twitter or x or whatever because i logged into x because i think you tagged me in something so i logged into the fucking thing um and it basically had like a a thread from unplanned trek where it was basically name your two comfort characters yes it, and yeah. i had to sit down and think about it and obviously i realized that one of my comfort characters is odo mm. like i love a good odo episode like he just something about his character and just how wonderfully acted he is by rene aubergenois is just you know it, that is comforting to me and that's part of the magic of ds9 for me uh, and the fact that he's barely in this episode he only has a couple of things to do in this episode but he has the scene that i had to send you a photo of and i sent you a voice note of me just laughing about this because <laughs> it's so good but it's just like i yeah i want to talk about that but let's talk about um the other the other one first uh, the 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 burgeoning relationship between Worf and Jadzia mm. all the way through this. Worf and is also the fact of Worf feels out of place. Like yeah. Worf has just Worf has only been in DS Nine for a while, and he's freaked out because it's all very ramshackle. It's not like the Enterprise under Picard, where it's like a carefully oiled machine where they've got all of the stuff to do and everything's in its place and everyone knows their roles and stuff. This is literally a space station with like crazy stuff happening all the time, yeah, it's, it's like the explosions everywhere. Yeah, it's a it's a frontier, and it's you know, and it's this idea of he does not know what his place is because his, you know, when he's on the Defiant, when he's on a mission and stuff, he knows. Oh, I'm in charge of this, and these are the subordinates and stuff like that. But when he's actually on DS9, he's like, why are there all these civilians everywhere? Why are there shops and stuff like? And it's this idea of he is not adjusting well to being like in this new environment. And his solution to it throughout this episode is to go and live on the Defiant, to move his living quarters to the Defiant. So when it's not in use, he's just sleeping in there on the Defiant on his own. I, I love the... it's that idea of going, that's not a solution. You're running away from the problem. And Jadzia's role in this episode is to make him confront that and kind of go hey maybe 
the people aren't the problem it's your ability to deal with people that are the problem is the problem and and and, and th th i'll say two things about this one th this this b plot spoke to me quite a lot at the moment because i am struggling to adjust to a change in life and yeah. my solution was to run away and hmm. it for the most part didn't work because you still have to face it you know you can't escape because you haven't blocked me on whatsapp no because <laughs> i'm i'm enjoying all the 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 pictures the but you you can't escape it you're going to have to, sooner or later you're going to have to face it and the second point i i wanted to make is where you know you will have to adjust to life on the station and then Worf goes or oh, maybe it is you you people that will have to adjust to me um but what, what which I is would... a beautiful bit of writing it because is. effectively it's the same thing from a different angle and it's a very klingon angle it is so it's the idea of basically going everything will change but it's going to be you changing from me <laughs> you know and it's like and i just love it it's 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 it... brilliant because it, it spoke to me quite a lot where it's just like yeah you can you can yeah like it or not you are going to have to adjust to your new surroundings to a new way of life and i, I mm. personally am going through that and it, it is proven to be extremely difficult and i, I you know i have mm. the love and support of everyone around me and i can't fault that but it's it's and paul and paul uh, and it's <laughs> it's it's i mean oi cunt is not a very nice reassuring message but i get one every day but uh it's <laughs> <laughs> I love that Paul is the epitome of tough love. Like we, do, like it's just this idea of just like when you realise like how Paul is like as a person, where it's like the idea of when he messages you, he'll say something like really cheeky or something, but then you kind of look past it and you're like, oh, he's thinking of me, you know. <laughs> and it's that wonderful thing he shows affection by insulting you. By going, hey, I'm reaching out to you, kind of thing, in he's, order to call you a bastard. He's, it's like, like, he's like the father. It's he's like the father that has no verbal um, ability to to communicate their love, but will yeah. just give you a dead arm. So that's how you know. Um, yeah. But it's, it's <laughs> what the, the last scene we see where Worf is setting up his quarters on the Defiant. I love, 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 love. Jadzia made him a mixtape. Yeah. That is so fucking 90s and so <laughs> on point for 1996 because she's like, I made you a, a compilation of my favourite Klingon operas. She just went in with the TDK tape deck and just went, boom, Alanis Morissette, <clears throat> Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, all there, Gunnutson, this is it. Are they all Klingon? Are you saying that the Smashing Pumpkins are Klingon? Why is not? that? Yeah, actually, yeah. actually, yeah. Um, maybe not melancholy in the infinite sadness. So but I, I love that, but I, I did love that line where you know it, maybe it is not you who have to adjust to me. Mm. Maybe you know you have to you know but I have to adjust yeah. you. You have to adjust to me. And it's this idea of basically Worf is the epitome of a strong character. He is the epitome of a very sort of stubborn, a very sort of like powerful, strong character who has to take time with his feelings, who doesn't, who struggles with feelings, who struggles with responsibility. Like, you know, like he just can't deal with Alexander and whatnot. And but this is the idea. It's the who? idea of 
he copes and he comes into his own in DS9 because he makes decisions like this, because he goes, hey, actually, I need to slowly integrate in this. So I'm going to sleep on the defiant until I'm kind of used to things. And I'm going to do that like you're do like you're doing at the minute. It's the idea of there should never be any shame in going, hey, I need to do things this way for now in order to get there, to get yeah. to be. I need to take a bit of a stop. There is in the no middle. template for everyone to follow. Everyone deals hmm. with with transition, with grief, with change in their own ways. I have never experienced it in such an intense way, which hmm. is weird for someone of my age to to have that. Uh, this is only the second time, but this is like really major and. Yeah. My instant reaction is shut out, run away, and be on my own. And then you sit mm. there and on prom reflection, you're like, maybe that's not the best way, but you, you don't know that unless you, you experience it. And we do see with yeah. Worf and what happens with Worf and Jadzia. What we see with Worf, though, is he running away for Worf would be going back to the Enterprise. It would be going back to the life he knew because that's all he's capable of dealing with. Mm. What he does by staying on the Defiant, by forging the sort of friendship with Jadzia, that's the middle ground. That's the kind of chrysalis thing of going, I can't be on DS9 yet. Mm. I can't deal with that yet. But this is my I'm learning stage. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's the thing that everyone does. That's that's where you are at the minute, where it's the fact of, yeah, you can't do 100% this or whatever. You can't be how people expect you to be, you know, stupidly. It, but it's this idea of, you know, it's finding your way of, here's how I cope with this situation and I will get there in the end. And yeah. if I don't, fuck it. The world will need to change and deal with me like this, you know? Yeah. The the last scene though with uh, Quark's bar where it's booming. Obviously the ritual cleansing is finished and we do get like very much like Avery Brooks and our visitor comes in for that one scene with one sentence where she just orders <laughs> a fuckload of drinks. I, I love it. She's literally <laughs> she's literally just finished a festival where they're not allowed any drinks or any sort of like vices or sex or anything like that. And then she immediately just goes, I'm gonna eat fuck tons of bad food and I'm gonna drink tons. And he's just going like this is you know, it's like With it's like finishing dry January by getting drunk on February first. And you're like <laughs> yeah. But I love it. Because, I have learned nothing from my experience. But I love it because the, the bar is booming. Everyone is, Lita is happy. Everyone is being mm -hmm. paid. And then we see Ron walk in and essentially he, he quits his job because this whole experience has made him realize he is able to take charge of his own life. And he, he has begun work with the Bajorans and yeah. is a junior grade uh, technician. Night shift. Um, <laughs> And he's like, you know, I am a customer now. I, I have mopped my last uh, table. Yeah. And for Quark, you know, Ron reassures him, you know, you've still got to see me. I'm still going to repair your hollow suites and your replomats and everything like that. But I am no longer, I you you know, I am, you are no longer my boss. Mm. I am a customer. And we see the, the slow acceptance of, of, Quark acknowledging this as well, that Rom is becoming his own person. 
Well, they, we see there is a there is a line here that resonates with me massively because it could be seen as an insult, but it's like true. Where Rom says to Quark, "When I was doing the union stuff, I realized I do a lot better when you're not around." Yeah, and it's this whole thing, and I'm going to draw this to my own experiences with my dad. Where when I realized that I, if I just ignore everything my dad says and I ignore every bit of advice that my dad gives me, kind of thing, life gets better because every bit of advice was like, "Hey, fit in this box, like do what I did." And you kind of go, well, you're not the happiest person in the world. So mm, do I want to? And then realizing that, and then obviously with this, where Quark is trying to fit Rom into the box of being a typical Ferengi, which he is just not built for. Yeah. And then when Rom realizes, hey, if I just ignore everything you say and actually just do what I want to do, I can get rewarded if I'm in the right place. Yeah. So when he realizes, hey, he's found his tribe and it is... Uh, is it the Bajorans or is it it's, it's the, is it the it's Federation? The I don't know. It's, it's the Bajorans. He doesn't join. Not Nog joins Starfleet. He joins. No, but the like Bajorans. he does that mean? Does that mean O'Brien works for the Bajorans? No, though? the the station is um, managed by the Federation. It is in yeah. Bajoran space. It is essentially a cooperation between the Bajoran government. Mm and the united federation of planets so so it's both so starfleet as we see in the episode o'brien goes because when they're having problems with the odn relays o'brien goes it is cardassian technology working with bajoran technology working mm. with federation technology they have never been designed to cooperate together but here we are yeah so but, but we, i mean it's the idea of o'brien is rom's boss like several rungs up the ladder obviously they are, they so are, it's the idea of like he's not and we don't ever class O'Brien as working for the Bajorans. We kind of have O'Brien working for the Federation, but on behalf of the Bajorans. It's, it's a joint, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a joint. It's a joint outpost. It's essentially like um, when you look at the International Space Station, where it is a joint effort between multiple countries. Yeah. There is no, oh, we are in charge because we. They are all. They have their ranks, and they're like, well, he's in charge. Da 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 da. The Starfleet and Bajoran workers, you've got different technicians with different ranks. The chief is yeah. in charge. I mean, O'Brien never was academy trained. He was a field commission. That's mm. and and you know, the greatest Starfleet officer who ever lived Which is crazy. Is a field commission. He is in charge of the station, but then he is in charge of Starfleet officers and the Bajoran officers because this is a, a cooperative uh outpost, so they all work together. Mm. So but it's 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 good that Rom went to the Bajorans because he still got that element of Ferenganism where the Bajorans get paid, Starfleet yeah. does not. So the Bajorans on the station and all the workers on the station they are salaried, they have an income. So it's a departure of uh, largely Ferengi culture for for Rom. But he's mm. still maintaining that Ferenganism because he is still he is a worker gathering well, a salary. Well, the hilarious thing is that he will actually benefit because of like, you know, the Starfleet communism, because it's the idea of like he just goes, oh, so I was working for Quark. I was getting underpaid and I had to pay for everything. Whereas now, because he's joined the Federation, it's like, oh, everything is free and I'll get a replicator and I'll get like sort of all of my food and stuff and, provided and for me. And vacations and sick And vacations. Yeah. And it's just the idea of going, 
yeah, that is a lot better. You but, know, but, it's but going back to my rather than statement. being like the fringy thing on and it, you know, and thinking of himself as, oh well, one day I'm going to throw everyone under the bus and then I'll be in charge and I'll be the one making the money. But, but going back, this is never going to happen. Going back to my previous statement, though, Rom found out his worth. He he got the confidence to go. I am worth more than this. I am better than this, and got mm. a new job. Um, yeah. We did a poll on this episode on the Nerdy Up North <laughs> Discord page and the Nerdy Up North Twitter page. So oh, I love I will, it. Has it changed? I will start off with the Twitter page if you want to boot uh, up the Discord one. Oh, I've got the Discord one. Okay, so cool, the, cool. the question was, how do you feel about Ron's decision by the end of the episode? The answers were, good for him, screw Quark. Should have stayed, as in should have stayed employed with Quark. And mm. uh, more FCA consequences. By some would say, we we had to shorten this. We because yeah. it was like A was yeah, fuck toxic management, good for him. B was he messed over his brother pretty bad. He should have stayed. Yeah, and C was there realistically should have been stronger FCA consequences because everyone does kind of get away scot free, which is a bit of a plot hole here. But obviously for Twitter, we had to shorten the questions because fuck Elon Musk. Um, yeah. By a landslide of 80%, good for him, screw Quark, uh, yeah. one. Uh, Runner-up being more FCA consequences. But I think a certain... Were there any in... votes for B? Nope. Absolutely okay. nothing. What did you have? Well, this is what makes me laugh, because we had the, the gorgeous, wonderful, uh, delicious Lee set up uh, the poll on Discord, because I'm an idiot and don't know how to do it. Basically, so I just message Lee and be like, Lee, could you do a poll for me? Get it? He's not fitter. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, he couldn't be. Um, but yeah, okay. The hilarious thing is, okay, obviously, uh, in the lead we have fuck toxic management. Uh, good for him. Yeah, you know, but they did the right thing. We have two votes for there realistically should be stronger FCA consequences, wow. which is a higher percentage than the Twitter one. Okay. But hilariously, there's one vote for B saying he messed over his brother pretty bad. He should have stayed. And when I checked, who voted for that? It's actually Nerdbot. It's actually the automated bot that we have creating things on the discord so we found out that the ai the ai bot that we have running little bits of stuff on the dip on our discord for nerdy up north uh is actually a scam <laughs> is, this this is the beginning of skynet this is this is what we're witnessing you, you heard it here folks <laughs> the singularity starts here and it is a scab it is a i i just love the the arguments I get into because Nerdbot like has AI responses. So if you actually talk to it, it'll look at what you're saying and then it'll respond to you. And it doesn't always get it right, but I can just have these massive conversations arguing with it. <laughs> but I, I love the only thing that voted in favor of Quark was the fucking robot. <laughs> the gentle doctor said Quark has hacked the Discord. Yep. Yeah, yep. there we go. 100%. Um, he's put those little sticks in. I always love that. Whenever he's hacking stuff, he just gets out these little sticks and plugs them in. <laughs> we we do love inserting sticks into holes. But that was our... Yeah. Uh... Um, oh, can, can I just mention some things from this episode that we oh, didn't yes, get yes, into? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, simply because there's loads of stuff that I love about this. And let me just gush about stuff. Um, obviously, my favourite scene is the one between uh, Worf and Odo. Because yeah. basically... 
Worf and Jadzia are heading back from the Defiant. They go to Worf's quarters and then they find out that actually he's been burgled and they capture the uh, guy who, burg who burgled him and robbed his uh, room, drag him to Odo in the security office and Odo's like, oh, cool, we'll, you know, we'll arrest him and we'll do this. I'm going to need to give you a statement. And Worf basically says, like, you know, oh, you should be doing a better job here. This sort of thing never happened on the Enterprise. <laughs> and I sent you a photo of this because this is my favorite <laughs> screenshot. I, if I hadn't, if I'd noticed it earlier, it would have been one of the pictures running along the bottom of this episode. Because I'll put it in the Discord, but basically, like, Odo gives him the happiest smile I've ever seen from Odo because it is the smile of someone who is about to lay the smack down. <laughs> that is it. Odo got receipts. Odo got receipts, yo. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's, and it is literally just Odo immediately being like, Oh, and then picks up a prepared pad he has next to him that has a list of all of the stuff that we get throughout Next Gen, where they basically get like, you know, either, you know, the bit where the Ferengi hijack the ship, the bit where they have a guy come on board and he's like a terrorist, but he's disguised himself as like an ambassador. And he just reels off all of these things that have happened, like in TNG, just to go, and yeah. <laughs> you know, and and Wolf is like, though those were exceptional circumstances. You know, it's like, oh well, it's, but it is just the smile Odo gives, and it's just how well played like uh, the character is that he's just like, no, 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 I'm right here. You know? I'm gonna use that caption every. <laughs> I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find it on Trek Core. I'm gonna use that caption whenever someone gets fruity on the Nerdy Up North group. I'm just gonna post that before yeah. I remove them because <laughs> it's going to be the most odd thing possible. I loved that scene though, because it was just like, Oh, it never happened on the enterprise. I, I happen to have a pre-prepared list of receipts and, yeah, uh, it this, is. This is, and it's just, it's Odo is that person who knows exactly what you've done at all times. He is the person who's just like, Oh, you never drink to you. Well, how about these billion situations? Yeah. It's just, and it's so wonderfully done. And it, it explains to them, hey, this isn't the Enterprise. This is an open port. We are doing the best we can. Like, this is the best we can do in this situation. And bad things will happen because it is such a sort of work in progress. Uh, and, and I love it because we get a bit of... This gives us background into Odo's job and that. It builds up a relationship with like Odo and Worf because there isn't really one. They are two characters throughout the show that don't really interact that much. You know, the 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 biggest thing is when the when Worf first comes on, he has this antagonism with Odo because he was the chief of security on the Enterprise. Yeah, they butt heads. And he's very yeah, like cuz they there's a whole episode where basically Worf thinks that Odo's not doing his job properly. And it's because Odo is letting crimes happen in order to find who the ringleader is. Like, you know, so there's a whole episode it's, it's where actual, Worf goes detective. It's actual to police and... work. That, yeah, that's like, like Worf is literally like, oh, find the culprit, arrest the culprit, and that's the job done. Whereas Odo is very much the idea of going, hey, if I let this guy go, he's going to get confident and, and then start making mistakes, and I'm going to be able to find out who his boss is. So I'm going to be able to arrest the entire syndicate. 
you know, and that's the scale that Odo's I thinking at, whereas Worf is very much like, grab the guy who did the thing and put them in the brig. It's, and, it's so... I, I love René Aubergeonois. Um, <clears throat> go, going back to the, the post that you were tagged in on Twitter, that your your, com- your comfort characters. It just come up on the YouTube, yeah. the bit where you're showing the picture. Oh, oh no, smile, man. <laughs> he, yeah, like what, two of my comfort characters, strangely enough, non-Star Trek. One was Edward, Edward James Almost from Battlestar Galactica, Commander Adama, yeah. because it's Adama. Um, and then the other one was Starsky from Starsky and Hutch, David Soul, <laughs> who René Aubergeonois did have a guest role in as uh, one of the only criminals that got away in Starsky and Hutch. But he did it in such a deviously charming way, uh, <laughs> where he just smoked cigars all the time. He's like, yeah, he's a superba corona superba. And it's just, it was so daft, but it, it just... It was the fact, it was a beautiful irony that decades later he would play a constable that would use 70s police tactics to go, no, I have got my connections in the streets because I'm not after the little fish, I am after the big fish. And this is the way things are done on the frontier. Whereas, you know, like he says... Things on the Fed, if if stuff like that can happen on a Federation flagship, imagine the stuff that gets away uh, on yeah. on a, a station of this size, and you know you have to do things differently to apprehend the the bigger fish that you want to yeah. uh, think. But that I loved yeah. this review. I really <laughs> I loved Deep Space Nine. I loved. We went on tangents in this episode, but they were valuable, relevant, passionate tangents. That that mm. this is what Star Trek is about. Star Trek is about opening a Discord about these issues and and bringing yeah. them up and bringing them to the forefront to go. This is an issue happening today that needs to be addressed, that needs to be yeah. talked about, and this is exactly what this has done. If this, I mean, it it yeah, I I absolutely I, loved it. I I love it. The the last thing. Hey, Ca- Captain Squadron, how you doing? Hey, Joe. Uh, Joe. Um. Yeah. The other thing is the uh, holographic waiters. The first thing oh. when when the Rom and that go on strike, the first thing Quark does before thinking about paying them is spending his own money and losing money by replacing all of the workers with holographic equivalents. Replace it with AI. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is exactly. This is an episode from thirty years ago, and what we're seeing is. <laughs> exactly what they were trying to do with the fucking striking writers where they're just going oh well we didn't need them anyway we'll get computers to do it and everything goes to shit and, and all of the failed. things keep breaking <laughs> and yeah and they all fail and you're just going like yeah it's this idea of like capitalism and greed immediately goes to oh what can i do that isn't the solution <laughs> you know it's yeah like, that, and that, uh, that's what it is and it, you know and it was like oh you don't have a portable power source or you like the, these ai holograms that just fail when you have a battery yeah. on you you know what doesn't fail? Workers. Yeah. You know, like good workers being paid. And then obviously uh, we get, uh, what is it? We get the first important bit, which is uh, Rom and Lita with a spark of romance. We we have the best thing ever, which is way too adult. This is really adult, even for DS9, is the fact of there's a reference to wanking in this, where it's the fact of it has an amazing scene where Lita comes to Rom and talk, you know, talk it after he's just been in sickbay getting his ears checked out. 
and then like uh she's just like oh you know what happened with your ears and he's like oh well i didn't go to my latest checkup and i've been getting too many umoks lately and she's like oh Giving who's the myself. lucky lady yeah who who's the lucky lady and he's like no lady just me <laughs> you know and she just stares at him like and this is literally him just being like sort of like going yeah i've been wanking a lot you know and it's just to the woman he fancies, but then he's like, and then she's like, "Oh, I, I'm sorry about that," you know, and then and then he immediately follows it up, smooth as fuck, not really, uh, by being like, "Oh, well, you can help if you want," like, and then just leans forward <laughs> with an ear, just, yeah, he's just like, "Oh, go on," you know. But it, I I just love the idea of effectively Rom being this every man in a weird way like he, he becomes so relatable and it's yeah. very strange that he's like he goes from being a stupid comedy character like he goes from being a shitty evil character which doesn't really have any background to being a sort of you know throwaway comedy character like a foil for quark to being this sort of you can relate to him in a wonderful way and i just love that he like literally just you know like uh, she's like, oh well, um, I don't think uh, Julian would like would like that. And he's like, we can ask him. <laughs> can you imagine that? Can you imagine going up to someone's girlfriend? Like, I'm tempted to do it with uh, Lee's Lee's wife, and just be like, just be like, okay. But the problem if is, she agrees. If she agrees, he doesn't have a leg to stand but, on. But basically. the problem, but the problem is, but he's um, got three, so it's fine. But the problem is, she will say yes. Um, leg <laughs> to stand on. He's a tripod anyway. Um, <laughs> And honestly, I don't think you'll have any legs left once you're done with him. Um, so, <laughs> um, wow. Okay. And on that note, but yeah, but in the in the last scene, we get to see Rom and Lita. After before the last scene, we get to see uh, Lita kiss Rom on the forehead, and there's this touching scene between them where we realise that actually there could be romance yeah, there. And as we know in DS Nine, it does become a romance. They do get married. And we have already covered an episode of Lower Decks where we get to see them together as a married couple. It's it's a wonderful on. it's a wonderful burgeoning relationship. Again, another burgeoning relationship in this episode. Yeah. Like you said at the start of this, it is a it is a filler episode, but tackles a lot of really relevant subjects, but also stacks um, plot elements and, mm. and foreshadows a lot going forward throughout the season and beyond, which is absolutely. It's it's fantastic. This is brilliant, <coughs> brilliant writing on you know what would otherwise be a middle filler episode between well, major plots. To to be a bit negative, it's the fact of like um because you know TNG didn't really foreshadow stuff too much. You basically had characters that basically we knew what their goals were, but they never really get further with them. Like, you know, yeah. Data wants to become more human, but does he? You know, like things happen, but he doesn't really progress that much. He gets an emotion chip and things like that. Whereas, like, because this is, back in the day, people are still talking about like, oh, Babylon 5 was the first thing to sort of have like long sort of, you know, foreshadowing plots and stuff in sci-fi. And you're sitting there being like, what you know did you no. have you not watched anything else like no. you know we even have like ds9 here having these kind of massive plot arcs that are like sort of series in the making or whatever and and whole like episode character arcs that are whole like you know where characters change a lot over time naturally not in a kind of not in a kind of babylon 5 bit where the writer just decided that these two characters need to be friends for one episode and then it never gets mentioned again and it's just this strange thing of like 
yeah, it's this is a, a perfect example of the quality of early '90s sci-fi. Because this was this was a you know the whole plot was unlike the next generation, they just can't fly off to the next adventure, which you yeah. know we, they're it was stuck a, together it was and they issue. need to develop. It was an issue that was tackled in Lord X, where they were like, "Hey, why don't we go back to?" That civilization where the Enterprise made first contact with twenty years ago. Mm. What's happened since? Oh, they be fucked. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, because they flew off to the next adventure. Deep Space Nine from the from the get go was, they have nowhere to fly to. They are there. They are stuck with those people. They mm. have to find a way through it. And this is why, for a lot of Trekkies, it's the best series. But it feels like home, and it is a comfort. I was talking to. Uh, Sean Ferrick the other day mm. and we were on about the comfort episodes and I said for me it's just Deep Space Nine all of it because it felt like a family Star Trek has this big representation of family throughout every series you know including some that we won't mention but this one it was a family in a home and yeah. Deep Space Nine for a lot of Trekkies feels like a home because and they're all a family yeah they Every, are all like like even even the relationship the the great relationships between quark and other characters like quark and jadzia having this good relationship and quark and odo having this total hate relationship but that still is a relationship yeah. it's really good if you have never watched deep space nine i i implore you i beg you watch deep space nine Watch it in its entirety and then come back to us and tell us how it changed your life because it is it is the very best of Star Trek in every possible way that you can imagine. I urge everyone who hasn't to watch it and you'll understand why me and Sonoyes mm. love it. However, if, if you were, if you have watched this whole episode, if you've listened to us for this whole thing and you haven't seen the episode, because I know some of the fans of Nerdy Up North like Beth and you know maybe sammy like they they listen to us talk about stuff and they enjoy listening to us talking about stuff but they don't actually watch the episodes do it this yeah. is the episode that i'm saying go on netflix go on paramount go on whatever you've got and watch bar association from ds9 this is a great little even if you don't know the show you can watch it and hopefully enjoy the magic that is ds9 well, speaking of watching, we do have an incoming transmission. Incoming transmission. That's right. You thought it was the double wheel of episodes. You are oh. wrong. Because next week, me and Science Officer Sir Noise are starting our movie reviews. And as you can tell by the first I'm not ready part, for this. As you can I'm tell by the... You will this. be ready for this. As you can tell by the first part Sir Noise is making at the moment... We are going to go in chronological order of the Star Trek movies, and we are starting with Star Trek. Until they get good. The motion picture. 1979 Lycra and Plastic has never looked so bland than the motion <laughs> I'm glad you went in that direction with the sentence. I've already sent you a picture about how it looks like a fucking, you know... Like living room color swatch. The the whole the whole that poster is far more colourful than the entire movie put together. This were Crimson Dabo! You're wrong. <laughs> this um this was Paramount's knee-jerk reaction to a new hope. 
It was shit. Find me a script. Get this on screen. There are about 70... It's, this has become Blade Runner for Star Trek because there are about 17 different versions of the motion picture wherever you get it from. Different version on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K Blu-ray, Ultra HD, Wig Wham, Walla Walla Bing Bang disc. <laughs> Where, whatever version you watch, they're all going to be the same story. Next week, we are starting our movie review, the motion picture... We are going to power through it all together. We are a family. We will get through this to the wrath of Khan because I we're promise gonna need, you. We're going to need uh, alcohol. I don't. Like, I, I haven't been drinking this week. I'm going to need alcohol for this one. I genuinely don't know because the powers that be at Paramount don't know what they're doing. I don't know if this <laughs> is on a streaming service, if this is on Paramount Plus. It's on Netflix. It, it, well, it's, it's on, on Paramount. I don't think it's on Netflix. Oh. Right. Just because I love you guys. Well, we'll find I'm, it out. I'm, I'm I cancelled my bloody Paramount Plus because I couldn't find fucking... What's it called on there? Strange I couldn't watch New Strange World. New World on there. You know, that Paramount exclusive show. It was so dumb. Show. Literally. I, I went to Strange New World, like season two, to re-watch the episode with Umbenga when we had uh, David on the show, and it wouldn't let me. It Basically, I went to Strange New World season two, paying for Paramount Plus, and then it went, hey, not available. And you're like... That's that's why you exist, Paramount so Plus. UK, you exist so I can watch Strange New Worlds. <laughs> in, in the in the UK, this is available yeah. on Paramount Plus. This mm. is available. This is I'm I'm hoping the new director's edition that they're updating, the 4K one. Um, mm. The story is largely unchanged for this one. Um, I I urge everyone if you want to, if you've never seen the Star Trek movies, we have. It's it's like if you watch Star Wars on May the Fourth, you have to get through the Phantom Menace. You have to get through the yeah. Phantom Menace. Get through the motion picture. Do you do, you do. <laughs> there are elements of the motion picture I love as a Starship connoisseur, um, as mm. a fashion reject, I really detest it. Um but we will get to the Wrath of Khan. We will get to the Monster Maroons, we will get to Ricardo Montalban. We will get to the good stuff in February, but next week, live, 7.30pm, GMT on the Nerdy Up North YouTube channel, we begin our movie review with Star Trek 1, The Motion Picture. Spicy. Very spicy. Guys, Spicy. it has been another long episode yet again, so I do apologise, and I would like to thank each and every one of you who have tuned in live did you you've like... been great chap you've did been you amazing like... chap did you like this episode did you like bar association did you not like bar association leave us a comment below. are you a union man are you a union man you have to be a union <laughs> man. if you like... are you like sean o'brien it's going to be one of the entry questions for nerdy up north pretty soon have you seen the Goovy goonies will you subscribe to our channel are you a union man or woman <laughs> Can you imagine um, what was Sean O'Brien? And you can't join Nerdy Up North until you reply with, "He was a union man." How many bullet holes did <laughs> we you have? just have? No new followers. I know, people <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you so much. If you are not a subscriber to the Nerdy Up North 
YouTube channel, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button right there. Tickle that bell, caress the bell. Press button. the like if you haven't already. Yes. Press the like if you haven't liked already. Um, I'm going to be on Nerdy Up North on Sunday. Because <gasps> on the live episode this Sunday, we are covering the Studio Ghibli film, uh, Spirited Away. Which is wonderful. So I love that my weekend, after the nightmare that was DragCon last weekend, with like 17-hour days and stuff... I get to literally spend tomorrow, I get my new Warhammer books because the old world has come out and I finally get my new books and models tomorrow. So I'm going to be watching Spirit, watching Ghibli movies, watching Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, watching other things that I need to catch up on and uh, putting Warhammer together. So it's going to be a great little relax, I think. <laughs> and then we're doing that at 7.30 on 7 Sunday. 7.30pm GMT on the Nerdy Up North YouTube channel on Sunday. On Monday we do got that we do got. I'm sorry. We do brain, got on Monday. We got to... down. How how can human? Um, <laughs> my brain is shutting down. On Monday we do have the lovely ladies of Monsters Up North again at seven p.m. On Tuesday. How good was the Blob episode? Oh, the Blob so episode good. was great. They're covering Michael Myers next week. Not Austin Powers. You're fine. Did yeah, you no, my, Michael Myers from the Halloween series. Yeah. They're going to be going over that. I do hope they tear into how crappy was in the Rob Zombie remakes. I don't know. I have, um, a, I have a suspicion that Dan might have liked the Rob Zombie remakes. Really? I, well, I, I'm just kind of, you know, this thing where you just like when you get someone who's a connoisseur, that they tend to have a kind of, you know, when they're really knowledgeable about stuff, they tend to kind of go, oh, well, actually, there's a way you can kind of enjoy that. And I'm wondering, but yeah, I'm going to have to watch it just to hopefully see Dan go, now is a pile of shite. <laughs> on Tuesday, I'm maybe making a return to the Nerdy Up North Twitch channel. Maybe making mm -hmm. a return, I don't know. It might be Metal Gear Solid, it might be quiz shows. I don't know yet. I'm I'm debating on what we will have on the channel. It's an anything anything goes Tuesday. I'm gonna coin it. And then we oh are back. Uh oh we've we've also got Jake and Adam on Monday as well, after Monsters Up North. Um, oh yeah yeah gaming up north and then we are back on which is, which is live on the twitch but then it's on tuesday it goes on, out onto on the, the youtube so. uh, and then we are back on friday so guys everything that nerdy up north does is in the description below you can follow me and sanoise on everything in the description below all of our friends like the lovely nita from sci-fi queens from the we've got the shuttle pod show we've got mike's uh Elkar's workshop from clone star podcast we've got trek culture unplanned trek. jl <laughs> sorry you who is our lovely friend james who will be coming on uh the show next month uh, to talk about Star Trek. Uh, we've got Adam's Music, who did the wonderful cover of Star Trek Voyager for our show. Everything you My see in that list. My favourite mountain. My favourite mountain. Everything you see in that list below, give them a subscribe, give them a like, try them out. You're going to love them. I know that. So, mm. right. <laughs> I think it's time for us to head back to the adequate, don't you, Sir Noise? Go on then. I haven't oh, strangled a goose all day. Lovely. Until next week, my lovely. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Ah, I need to put my teeth in. Live long and prosper, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Miles? Miles?